0: Welcome back to the State of the Arc podcast. My name is Mike.
1: My name is Kason
0: You're probably wondering why my hair is shorn. Probably. Uh, well, it's really simple. I got a haircut. The end. Because... Well <laughs> <laughs> there it is. That's the story. Um, no, I got a haircut because I was going to a funeral <coughs> over the weekend. Hmm. Um, didn't get the top as short as I wanted it. Usually, my barber's pretty good. I think I've told you about him before. Usually, yeah, he yeah, does a good sure. job. It was, it was not short enough. I have cut my hair on a number of occasions, actually. Even when it was long, I've cut my hair before. So, I, I felt pretty confident. I knew exactly what level I wanted. I adjusted the razor to the exact place I wanted it. Start going. G-g-g-g-g. Take the hair out. Dump it. <laughs> yes, yes, put it yes. Out, adjust it. G-g-g. I probably did that like 10, 12 times. Yeah, and it was still not. It was all good. Oh. And then just the one time. Boop. Didn't adjust it right here. Right here. Right here. Right, here, right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. There was no hiding it. There was no comb over action. There was no uh, <laughs> there was there was nothing that, that could be done other oh than take gosh. it all off. It was a lot worse. I mean, at least now there you can at least see some difference of color between, like, the top of my head and, like, my other skin. Like, yeah, there is man. hair here now. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, all the way down. I mean, it was, like, the, the lowest fetching setting on the razor. Ah, oh, But it's all good. It'll grow back. Um, we're here to talk about Xeno Saga, episode one. Uh, we left off uh, with, I think, Shion showing Ziggy and Momo around the ship.
1: Yeah. I and, think. um my last note is everyone's going in the same direction. How convenient, yeah, and now we get
0: introduced to some
1: brand new people yeah
0: um I took a note here that sheon as she's showing them around, like given the tour of the ship, she mentions that the Elsa was originally like a luxury cruiser, yeah, was, yeah, it was like a
1: yeah, it was like a like a cruise line, right like a carnival yeah. cruise
0: and I guess it's been sort of. Transformed now into whatever this is, a, a scavenger ship with yeah, weapons yeah, yeah. and things with like weapons.
1: that. Uh, I could. Can you imagine turning a carnival ship into like a battleship, but keeping the pool and <laughs> the kitchen and everything? Right? That'd be sick. Actually, <laughs> that would be pretty cool. That'd be sick.
0: Um, I took note. Uh, so Trankov is kind of hanging out on one of the floors as you're going around exploring. He yeah. says something about having the devil's own luck because mm. a 100-series reality and prototype was brought on board, meaning Momo. Right. Um, so I thought that that line was interesting. He's, well, we're going to, basically this entire episode, the the scenarios here are almost entirely centered around his backstory, which is really interesting yes. because yeah, yeah. he's really a side character in the game. I like know, I know, yeah. He's not like a main character. Not even like, close. <laughs> I really liked this section. Oh, my gosh, I thought too. it was me really too. good. Yeah, me too. Explaining his backstory.
1: It, it felt like a Twilight Zone episode it or did. something You're like re- that. That's actually a really yeah. good uh, analogy. Twilight,
0: really cool. uh, the Twilight Zone episode. It was it was really good. So we're going to be diving a lot into Terankov um, and yeah. his past and everything. Um, so we kind of cut away from the ship, uh, and we have this red-headed boy, or at least he appears to be a boy. Yes. It, his name's Junior. We, we learn that by the end of... What we played up to this junior. week? Do they in the English? Do they ever call him something like little little
1: master? Yes, little okay, master. Good, yes. That's
0: how they refer to him. Yeah. All the crew members do. I think he says to to Shion, his name is Junior. There you go. Well, it's but that's not yeah, his real he re- name. Re- he
1: reveals his name a little bit later. Yeah, um, but yeah, he's such and such Junior. Yes, and people call him that. But the people in the crew, the the girls that he works with, <laughs> they just call him Little Master. Right. Um, in Japanese, that's a uh, Chibi sama. And if, you, if you've ever watched Full Metal Alchemist in oh, Japanese, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, there's a certain name that uh, Edward gets called occasionally, mm-hmm. and he is not happy about it. And it's usually translated as... It's a little master. Like right. a little master. Yeah, yeah. right. So yeah, he's short. it's so funny because um, Edward would get upset. You, he'd get in a fight if you ever called him that because he's short. Uh, whereas this junior little master person... He's totally cool with it. Mm. He's just like, yeah, I'm short. Well, yeah, That's cool. I'm okay with it. He, yep. he shouldn't be, given some of the backstory that we learned about him. He shouldn't be, like, happy about this. Um, <laughs> but it seems to be a term of endearment. And this, like with a lot of things in Japanese, if you're close to someone and you call them a name, it actually comes across as endearing. Mm. Whereas if you're not close to someone and you call someone a name, it is extremely rude. <laughs> it right. is extremely rude.
0: Right. So, anyways, he's okay with it. I These think that's kind of funny. People are familiar enough with him, <coughs> I suppose. Yeah, yeah, they're really close to him. So they're searching this kind of the same area of space that the Glinde was investigating because yep. of the, the 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 planet that disappeared. We actually know right. the name throughout what we learned in this uh, section we played. Uh, I just forgot it. A- oh, Ariadne. Oh, Ariadne. 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 That's what it is. Which is a, it's Greece. Uh, it's
1: Greek. So um, Ariadne was the princess in the Minotaur myth. Yeah. Um, when Theseus went to the labyrinth to slay the beast, uh, she helped him and wanted to marry him. I'm pretty sure he agreed to marry her just to, just to have her help and then yeah. to, to escape. And then he actually abandoned her. He deserted her on, alone on an island. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> and then he went back home because he didn't actually want to marry her. Jeez. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty brutal, but hey, he he lived. So
0: those those old stories are
1: so I know, dude. dude. They're, they're so jacked. They are. But she she was a little she was a little conniving, you know. Mm, she was of a course. little bit because she knew she had him in a spot where it's like he was gonna die. The Minotaur was gonna kill him, and she's like, "If you marry me." And she, he was never he would <laughs> he would never have done that, you know. So yeah.
0: he 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 probably felt cheated to begin with. Sure. <clears throat> um. We're probably not going to get it to this episode, but there's another kind of old fairy tale, folk tale. One that I had never. Actually, there's two. We're going to get. We'll probably get to one of them today. Well, The, the Song of the Roland. Song of Roland. Yeah. The Very other one cool. is the. Well, it's translated as The Child of Mary, but it's. Um, yeah. Marian Kind? Marian kind, uh, kind, kind, yeah. Marian yeah. Kind or something like that. Um, yeah, it's German. That's probably going to be next episode, but a lot of references to things like that uh, in and names and things like Like that. Like
1: obscure Western canon stuff. Yeah. And these Japanese game makers are very intimately familiar with obscure Western canon stuff. It's crazy.
0: He loves it. Okay, anyway, uh, they're exploring that area space where Ariadne disappeared. Um, So I've got some dialogue I took down here because there was kind of a lot uh, where they're going back and forth. Um, the best way to find out would be to ask the person who's hiding it, referring Uh, to, um, the planet, like where the planet is. Right. Some person
1: is hiding it is someone's hiding it. And that's the thing. It's it's not so much that the planet got destroyed. It seems as though the planet just disappeared. Right. Um, and there's no debris of the planet necessarily. Mm -hmm. There is debris that they're searching through of the ship that got attacked by the Gnosis, but there's no debris for an actual planet. Right. And so he's saying that, you know, it was hidden and not necessarily destroyed. Right. Um, and that's fascinating. It really makes me wonder, because, uh, what's his name? Val, Val, the guy with the X on his face. Oh,
0: Varane, uh, wait. Van, Van- Vandercom. Vandercom.
1: Vandercom. He, he's talking about losing people. You think that they're dying when they come into contact with the Zohar. Right. And I have long since... Suspected that, that these people not, are not dying. <laughs> they, are di- they are disappearing, but they are going to a place. They are yes. going somewhere. Um, and wherever that is, that's more or less where this planet went uh, as well.
0: Yeah. So that's what he, I think, is referring to there. Um, then he, he calls out to Shelly. So we got these sisters, Shelly and Mary. <laughs> His sisters who look nothing alike. Yeah, nothing yeah. alike at all. Yeah, that's funny. Um, and I suspected that they were going to be realians or something. There was just something weird about them. But they're just... Yeah. Cyborgs, I guess. Like they're human. Because Mary mentions that they're human. Beings.
1: Right. But they can do stuff. Like they can Plug connect their, into yeah. their head. And they can connect their mind telepathically. I have yes. some notes on that um, a little bit later on when that happens. But they don't seem to be just pure human
0: people. No. 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 Certainly not. Um, so, response to that. It's very slight, but I'm getting a reaction from the primer. No question about it. Back to uh, Junior. Some kids playing with matches, maybe. What happened mm. to that fleet anyway? Answer, we haven't heard anything since we picked up that distress signal six hours ago. So I think they're talking about the Woglinde at that point. Um, well, would it, it? Is it the Woglinde or is it the ship, the
1: previous ship? That's thing, true because...
0: There was a distress signal that the Woglinde was yeah. also investigating. I would assume the Woglinde also had a distress signal after this fight with Gnosis. I don't know how many hours uh, it's been I since see. then. Yeah, time is... Yeah. But could be either. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting. Some kids playing with matches, maybe. Hmm. Uh, so, okay. So he says, Gnosis, huh? Hmm. They must have been totally wiped out. Uh... Actually, it wasn't him. That was someone else who said that. He says, not necessarily. When the little ones play with fire, you know their folks can't be too far behind. I'm guessing he's talking about... Is that about- the gnosis? Yes. Or the military. Okay. Sounds like gnosis to me. It does. It when does. the little ones play with fire, the little the little uh, gnosis, the big ones, their folks, I guess, can't be too far behind. I think that's what he's saying. More or less because
1: of kind of what happens a little bit
0: later yeah. in this... Uh-
1: Right. In this game, I would assume that that's correct, yeah.
0: Yeah. Ah, uh, I get it. So you reckon that the mama's going to show up soon. I, see, this is why I think that, because yeah, we're talking about the giant Gnosis yeah. we're going to encounter a little later, right? Um, exactly. Change course, proceed to the last known coordinates of the Federation fleet. So they're going to go and investigate what happened there, why Gnosis showed up. Yeah. Um, so the next scene begins with someone from that... Uh, S.O.C.E. Council at 5th Jerusalem. Yes, like that's Like one of the right. dudes that were sitting around that Jedi uh, temple. <laughs> yes. And I'd mentioned, I'd mentioned that
1: there's eight seats. There is space yeah. for eight seats, but it seems like one seat is missing uh, so that there's like a TV screen there. Yeah. So, anyways, it's an octagon-shaped
0: room, but there I think there's only seven chairs, so there'd be only be seven people. Yeah, so one of these dudes is reporting to Margulis, like, Back and forth So, someone's uh, yes working with UTEC instead of uh, the Federation, I guess. Um, mm. So, he tells uh, this guy, I, I don't know his name, I don't think his name is revealed. They he, don't. He no. tells Margulis about their current investigation to see who leaked information about the route to Ple- Pleroma. So, Pleroma, this uh, is something yes. we need to bring up because yeah, yeah. we kind of didn't do this last time. And uh, it was pointed out to us in the comments that we missed this. Um, pleroma is the name of that, like, station old religious uh, oh, symbol. the skyhook, the, the skyhook thing. Yeah,
1: okay, okay. It's huh. called Pleroma. Okay. Um, I see. So I saw the mentions. I thought it was, well, because the word Pleroma yes. <laughs> is like the it's a an outer sphere of you know the Eidos it's, or of heaven. It's right?
0: where the aeons. Yes. Reside right, yes, like the, the in the pleroma, in like the higher spiritual dimension, in the pleroma. Exactly. Um, wow, so, okay, good to know. That reference is likely purposeful. This okay. old sort of religious symbol, uh, yes, relic, yeah. uh, station, home base—I don't know what you want to call it—for <laughs> <laughs> an old religion yeah. being called pleroma probably has a reason.
1: Gotcha.
0: Um, so, yeah, someone pointed out, hey called Pleroma. I had forgotten it was called that. Cool. Um, so do you really think they'll show up? Oh, they'll come. After all, that's the reason for their existence, says Marculus. It also happens mm-hmm. to be uh, Milsha's Achilles heel. So th- this is exactly the same as Enzino Gears. They use... Yep, yep, yep. I mean, this is, this is a... <laughs> it's a mark of Tetsuya Takahashi's writing or Saga's writing, I guess, the both of them. Um and and it brings up an interesting question because you know one thing they'll teach you in like you know writing classes is to avoid as you know dialogue if the characters uh, yeah. are both in they both understand the situation you don't just like give exposition for the sake of the audience yeah. because they don't know because that's not how that's not how a natural conversation between two knowing characters would be That's so funny though because that is yeah, they did a good job of that. That's exactly what they do. <laughs> they're avoiding that as you know dialogue. But at the same time, it also ends up being so vague a lot of the times, this dialogue, that it's hard yeah. to like remember it later. Right. Because you know that they're dropping like setups to things yep. in this dialogue. But when you're not when you have really no understanding and it seems so vague, I feel like it can kind of backfire a little bit and be mm-hmm. like, okay. Yep this doesn't stick. This dialogue doesn't stick with me for later. So okay. I'm not saying that that's the case here. I'm just saying that that's a fine line to walk between having characters speak naturally but being so vague that the, the audience can't f- really follow what they're talking about um, versus it being more explicit and having it sound really unnatural or unconvincing uh, their conversation. So... I don't know where I fall in terms of this scene. (laughs) Uh, I think I more or less know what they're talking about. Um, The Milsha's Achilles heel was one line that I'm I'm not sure I fully grasp at this point. Second
1: Milsha's Achilles heel or Milsha's
0: Achilles heel? uh, Well, there's the whole Milsha system, which is kind of where they're going to. I think second Milsha is in the same system as old Milsha. They're like close by to each other. But um, I think what he is referring to because we see it in basically the next scene is the reason for their existence, right? They all come. I think he's talking about the Durandil and Junior and his crew Mm, because they're basically setting up an ambush for them like in the next scene. Yeah, yeah. Pretty sure that's what they're talking about there. I'll handle the negotiations with the military, he says. I'll leave the rest to you. There's an idea
1: in like developmental psychology that's called the zone of proximal development. Have you heard
0: of that? It's, I think I have heard that term. I don't remember, though.
1: It's like when you're raising a child, you, you find the level that they're at, yes. and you like internalize it, you figure out their exact level, and then you speak to them or uh, you yes. teach them one level up from yes, where, yes, wherever yes, they're yes. at, right? And yeah. that's considered the zone of proximal development, right? Um, imagine when we play video games, imagine us as the children, <laughs> right? And go. imagine the developer as the, the parent. Yeah. And then the developers are like, okay, this is where they're at cuz is what we've revealed to them if we give them one level above what they understand then then that's the zone of that's that's the the goldilocks zone right, right. if you tell them that as you know i don't know if you just tell them stuff that they already know they won't get any further but if yes. you tell them too much then they're they're going to be confused right? right it almost feels like this game like there's the goldilocks zone and they're stretching they're pushing it yeah. right they're pushing us a several levels beyond, beyond our, current our current understanding current yeah. and and that's not Conducive, it is conducive for multiple playthroughs of a game. Yes, uh, but yes. it is not conducive for the first playthrough to uh, actually get a, a, a good handle on exactly what's going on, especially knowing uh, or not knowing which parts are important, which parts yes. specifically should you focus on. Right. Um, but I thought I'd bring up the idea of the zone of proximal development because I I think for video game developers that's really what you're doing. Yes. You, you've You've got to put your your um your players into that zone, yes. the zone where they can best experience something like flow something like you know where i'm hitting it or i'm still progressing but not too fast and not too slow like right it, and it's a goldilocks zone it's not easy to do yeah um and this game i don't think they even really try to do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can't play it too safe you know you've got to lead people out there but that includes um this kind of stuff which yeah. is difficult for people to follow
0: yeah i mean that's true even of like Gameplay systems and things, right? Like, yeah, you don't want yeah. to dump it all on them at once, exactly, because that's you know, over little by little. Yeah, but you don't want to also tutorialize things 10 hours so into the game. Like, everyone, like, you don't need to tutorialize a mini map anymore, I think. Oh, like, sure, like, that you know, sense. that, that the dots, kind of thing. The radar. It's just like everyone knows that, everyone knows how that works at yes. this point. Like, it's really intuitive. I don't think you need to explain that with paragraphs of text. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there definitely is sort of a a line to find, and that's a a good way to put it. But
1: I don't think, and I I don't want that to be taken as a criticism of the game, necessarily. Yeah. Um, I think it's fine. You can can ride that line however you want. It depends on what audience you're going for. It depends on what type of game player you want to attract um, and people who are more mystical people (laughs) who are more (laughs) inclined towards the mysteries and all this stuff. Um, they're going to appreciate it. They're going to love all of these layers and layers of mysteries that are being added on before we've even solved the first mystery. Right. Yep. (laughs) They're going to love it. And it it is conducive to multiple playthroughs. So I just want to make sure that that wasn't a criticism. That was just a, a general critique that meant to be meant for you to take it into your own video games. If you design them. Yep.
0: Uh, so after that call, uh, Oh, oh! I'll handle the negotiations with the military was the other guy who said it. That makes more sense now. Oh, the, the I Council wasn't, guy? Yeah, it wasn't yeah. Margulis who said that. So at the end of They'll Come, it's the reason for their existence, that part's over. I think they are talking about the crew uh, of, okay. of the Durandal. Then the other guy says, I'll handle negotiations with the military. I leave the rest to you. Then Trankov calls. And he says that the Zohar was lost to the Gnosis, so the Gnosis grabbed the Zohar. That's yeah. what we were seeing when it was sort of like... Floating into the cloud. Yeah. yeah. So the Gnosis took it. But I secured a 100-series and prototype. I did something good. <laughs> Margulis yeah. is like, stop going beyond the scope of your mission. Just like, right. get back here. Like, I don't care about that. Ah,
1: Chirinkov's hard uh, to read, but I, I, we'll find out more about him soon.
0: Yeah. Now, I, I don't know if you noticed this. They, and actually, it's funny to me because... There was something else we played recently where they kept messing up L's and R's. Oh my gosh. What was that? It might have been Zeno Gears. <laughs> it might have been Zeno Gears. Where um, they, the spelling was almost always flipped for the It was R's always and the L's. flipped.
1: I want to say. Yes, I want to say that. Because remember, was it Gebler? Yeah. Gebler was what it was called. I think it was right? called Gebler. Yeah, yeah Gebler. And then was that's the uh, Gebura. Yeah. yeah.
0: But Gebler. Mm-hmm. it anyways. was it was almost it was it was something like that. I believe it was Xenogears. I believe it, it was yes, because they keep saying preloma. Oh really? Ploroma. They, they say preloma? They say preloma. And it's Puro- not it's, Puroroma, it's, it's Puro- yeah. Like Cherenkov yeah. yeah. says it and then like Ziggy says it later. It's like three or the four praloma? instances where they say Proloma instead of Pleroma. Oh dang. And so I didn't catch that. it. It <laughs> made me think that they must have in the translation for the script, but they write pleroma in the subtitles but by say in the spoken loma
1: well often um the the audio is recorded well i don't want to say that necessarily sometimes they will record the audio for the script before they've actually programmed the words into the actual game yeah um i know there are certain games where they record the audio like way in advance in fact xenogears might have even been one of them yeah where they did that anime cutscene oh, way did. before they did they yeah. actually had programmed the game mm-hmm. um and so sometimes that's what happens, where, like, the actors say it a certain way, but, like, that's done. And you yep, realize it, it and you change it later as in the implementation <laughs> phase. But it's like, well, geez, the union rules and all the stuff around, like, getting an actor back out to do yep. a, re- a retake. Right. I don't know. I, did, I wouldn't think it would be that big a deal. But at the same time, I don't
0: know. Yeah, it was just interesting because it, was, it wasn't just, like, a one-time thing. Because, no, it, it, was the, it was the guy, the Fifth Jerusalem SOCE guy said... Proloma, yeah, pro-loma. The, the 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 path to proloma or something. Well, like maybe preloma
1: is another thing. I don't know.
0: <laughs> but it's written pluroma. Yeah, you're right. You're so right. <clears throat> yeah, right. that's a mistake. That's, that's that's flipping again exactly the wrong letters in translation. Yeah. Because in Japanese, I mean that probably would have been
1: Puroroma, probably yeah. or pureroma or pureroma. Yeah, however right. they want to say it. But, but yeah, it would be two to be Rs.
0: L. Yep.
1: Anyway, and pleroma isn't a common word. So no, it isn't. <laughs> I, I could see. I wonder how many people translated this game. Are we aware of that? I, I know of one I Don't know. I don't know if it w- it wasn't just one dude again, right? This was probably no. A team. I'm sure it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. At this yeah,
0: point, who knows? Um. Okay. So, get the registration of the ship that signal came from. Track Trankov's marker. So ah, yes. Margulis is trying to like go after Trankov. Yeah. Um. And then we get uh. A more formal introduction to this silver-haired character we saw earlier who had met up with Margulis when Ziggy and Momo were escaping.
1: Yeah, when we saw the other, what was suspected to be another 100-series Reallion. Yeah. The right? Little, Looked just the like Momo. One. Yeah, just with
0: gray or silver hair. Yes. Um, yeah, so those characters are here, and he's a lot crazier than he seemed at first. <laughs> he's He's some, she's got some screws loose, this guy. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he says you love barking out those orders, don't you, Margulis? Uh, show a little more love to your dogs, or else I'll bite you one day. And Margulis just says "you" in response. Uh, and he says the prototype belongs to me. Uh, so we're talking about Momo yeah. here. This says guy the thinks prototype
1: the prototype belongs to him. Yeah, but he's with another child, Raylian, and the ship right. previously. The we didn't mention this before. The um, the Durandal had like tons of hundred series Raylians. Yes, like tons of them. All yes. over, and they're just doing a menial task. Well, I don't know if they're 100 the series. They, they look are, like this girl. They
0: look like this girl. Yeah, I think Momo is a specialer. Okay, realian than they are. Like a 100 series is a pro, she's a prototype. So right. she's like a something like that. Well, I, I would guess probably these others can't do the Hilbert effect or something. Uh, yeah, I would assume that. I would assume that. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong about that. But so yeah, that's what this guy's referring to. Uh, okay. Show, so he he says something really interesting here. The prototype belongs to me. I've grown bored with these kir, kirsch, Kirschwasser. Kirschwasser. Kirschwachers, which so, is. No, oh, like, you know this? Okay, go ahead. I, I do. Okay. Um, and it, it, it's really interesting in light of what we learned about uh, what do they call that uh, addiction? Um, oh, shoot. Yes, the thing. What is that called? Something, the- something ad- addiction. Help me out, people in Discord. I could maybe find
1: it, but I doubt it.
0: <laughs> DME addiction. Thank you. Yes. Wow, Bob. Wow. Appreciate you. DME addiction. So this is a. It's like a type of alcohol, right? It's 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 made from in, fermented in Germany. Cherries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From fermented cherries specifically.
1: Kirchwasser means, means uh, cherry water.
0: Yeah. So right. yeah,
1: but it's like a. It's like a. Oh, I wrote this down. It's um. It's a type of brandy.
0: Germany. Yeah, and it's it's distilled from cherries specifically yeah. fermented cherries. So as he says this, he, he pats the girl on the head. Yeah, the girl that he's with, right? I'm assuming is a realian. Right. We know that DME addiction is, comes from consuming the flesh and blood of realians. So he's talking about the taste of this this
1: you know nectar of the gods, right? Yeah. This cherry water.
0: It seems he wants Momo's flesh instead of all these other types that look, again, yeah, like, it seems like this girl, the model of whatever, the one that's with him, is the same that was on board the Durando. There's a bunch of them kind of on the bridge. Yeah. I think they're the same model or something. So that was crazy. I, I, yeah. I'm assuming he has a, a severe DME addiction. He, he kind of looks acts. a bit like Virgil, too. He's got some of yeah. those
1: uh, lighter features, I guess you'd say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and so Margulis, in response to this, says, so you're going? And uh, the guy says, I think I'm more likely to succeed than your dogs. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, feed right. me your hostility, he says to them as they all turn and look at him because they're all pissed that he was the first <laughs> of those dogs. Pierce me with your hatred. <laughs> evil guy. Yeah. Um, Margulis tells him to wait, and he says in response to Margulis, don't worry, I won't get in your way. We're working toward the same goal, right? So this was one of the Mm -hmm. things we praised about Xenogears in particular was that um, they did a really good job of having a, a nice cast of villains who all have their own motivations. They all have their own reasons for doing what they're doing, and they're all kind of against each other. But they have the same goal, so they like tolerate each other. It makes a really nice dynamic for your cast of villains. I think they're setting up the same thing here.
1: It gives, yeah, it gives um, characters a lot of reason to kind of switch sides temporarily. Every now and then, they might, you know, join up and then go back and forth. And characters are going to come and go, and each of them, you're not going to know exactly why they joined with you or not. That is very
0: dynamic. I like that a lot. Yeah, I, I really like it. Um, I think they're setting up something really interesting here with this character and Margulis and them, because then Margulis uh, ends up saying to um, Pellery, like, because she she says like she would really trust him with this, uh, right. and he's like, I'm not trusting him with anything. He just has his uses or something like that. So, so he's semi autonomous, right? He does what he does. Yes, you
1: you're on his team because he does what he does, not because he does what you say. So he's yes. already doing it. You ally with him. He just keeps doing it. And yes. if at any point he turns around, then then you yep. cut him off. You That's do away right. with
0: him somehow. So he goes out into <sighs> his mech. He gets into his mech, this yeah. silver-haired character. And he says, ah, Momo, my adorable little peche. And peche, peche. is a French word. It is French. Um, Mon adorable mean, peche. It yeah. can mean a couple things. Uh, peach, which is what I think this is referring. I can
1: explain a little why I think it's peach, too. Yeah.
0: But it can also mean,
1: like, fishing. So. yes I, I looked at that uh well because peth peth uh pescado like fish yeah. right so that's spanish but mm. still portuguese it's peshi it's close yeah. enough right? right so there's some similarity there uh but do you know what the japanese word for peach is
0: uh for peach no i don't momo really Yep. oh that, that's the that, that's momo right then.
1: so and it's written in katakana so it's not momo the kanji right It's just Momo. The name Momo in this game is written in katakana, which for those who don't know is what you write foreign words or um, pronoun type words. There are certain words that you'll write in um, katakana as opposed to hiragana or kanji. The rules are a little bit fuzzy, but for the most part it's used for loan words and other – when you want to put emphasis on a word, sometimes you'll write it in katakana instead of the kanji or hiragana. Well – so it, it's not the kanji for Peach. However, when Japanese people hear the word Momo, they are thinking Peach. And so this is just another, like... Makes poof. sense. Yep.
0: Makes sense. So Peach is the one. It's yep. definitely Peach. It's Peach. Um, okay. So then we cut back to the Bridge of the Durandal. We got Junior here, the red-headed kid. Uh, they're exploring the ruins of the Woglinde now. Um, is it? It's not the Woglinde, because the Woglinde is still operational, right? I thought the Woglinde went down. Is it the Woglinde
1: that they're on right? No, the Elsa. Dang it, you're right, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's my bad. Okay, yeah. I, I got the Woglinde the and the Elsa mixed up. original ship that they were on, yeah.
0: So he finds a ring uh, that had, what they had been using to, um, like... Yes. What do you call no. it? Like uh, hang the Zohar in yes. suspended animation? They
1: call it a Zohar security ring. Yes, like it has a name. Yeah, like it specifically for Zohar. Like it's a common thing, <laughs> sure. right? Yes. So he shows up and he's like, "Oh, a Zohar security ring." So whatever, um, th- this ship, the Woglinde, had the proper rings on it. Yeah. For this type of work to begin with, anyways, right. the idea being, there's tons of Zohars. There's there are tons of Zohars. More than one. There are lots of emulators. There, the uh, the ring is recognizable, right? This right. is. A ring with a function—it'd be like a nuclear control rod or something. It's like, oh, I know what that is because yeah. there's a thousand of them, right? Yeah, right. If there's only one zohar, nobody would know what a zohar protection security ring is, and it wouldn't have a name. It would just sure. be a thing like that, right? Anyways, yeah. so TJ the Emperor brought up that Woglinde is the name of one of the Rhine maidens um, from the Wagner opera. Yes, right? right. Well, that opera is all about a ring. Oh, so these okay. Rhine maidens take part in this story that is all about a ring, and it's based on Norse mythology, and it's 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 the ring that like the the dragon takes it, and everyone's kind of fighting for this ring, and in the end they can't keep the ring. The ring falls into water, and all of the gods basically die. This is Odin. Mm. This is like uh, well, it goes through um how would you call it like Siegfried and. Um, the, the dragon that he kills and he gets the ring, but then he dies. And the ring basically just follows this trail of death. A lot of people think uh, Tolkien was very kind of inspired by it, this yeah. type of story um, as the ring finally uh, falls beyond reach and their their attempts to reach it is ultimately what causes the demise of the gods. Um, and there's a similar like idea behind that ring in that oh. opera. And it's like that it is the industrial technology that... that um, the, the dream that you'll always chase, but you can never actually reach. You can never actually, like, attain it, right? Right. Um, but Tolkien has similar themes with his ring, right, with industrialization and the power to do anything right the, the ultimate power and how it shouldn't it should not be used right? right um so anyways interesting stuff but here we are now you come to the Wogland day looking for and you find a ring a very special ring i just think that's fascinating that's awesome so i think the rings themselves may actually come into a little bit more play later on
0: yeah so uh let's see they find the ring uh he tells shelly back on the ship to set the sequence primer um, he hopes uh, the Gnosis haven't gone too far yet because they're trying to get the Zohar back. They, that's what they're here for. They're here for the Zohar, the Zohar emulator that was on the Woogland.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Mary asks whether he's scared of the Gnosis and he says something interesting. He says that there are plenty of things scarier than Gnosis. As hmm. far as we know, <laughs> no. what we've seen in this world, there's nothing scarier <laughs> no, than Gnosis. dude. The, the ghosts that just kill you in the night. Yeah. Right. So, that's pretty scary. Uh, okay. It's at this moment that Utic Mechs show up.
1: Yeah, they just like beam in.
0: They just like, and there's I don't know a dozen of them at least. It was a trap. Yeah, uh, that I think Margulis had been referring to in the last scene. Possibly. Um, yeah. So they fight them, uh, fight them off. Um, there's kind of an exciting sequence there where, uh, like, he has to kind of like dive out with his mech, and his ship kind of comes back in, and like picks him up um he has some pretty i mean like after this right because all those ships show up from the outside and they start just like blasting yes linde right and then they turn their cannons on the durando and they start firing and then he goes to the front of the bridge and it's like he's sort of um interfacing somehow with some kind of energy yeah he's
1: special he's very special
0: Oh, one thing, too, as those ships show up and
1: start destroying the Day, he's saying that they're covering up the evidence, right? So it's yes. like, oh, they're getting yes. rid of the evidence, whatever they found, whatever they were going to find, um, they're trying to cover it up now. And he just happened to be there, so he's a witness, so they got to yes. kill him now. Right. It makes me wonder if they know who he is. I don't know if they do. Uh, because of what he does. <laughs> the, <laughs> this ship, when he starts controlling yeah, it and he dude. takes over, this is the most powerful weapon I think I've dude. ever seen in
0: all of science fiction. Until, <laughs> it's crazy. Until uh, a little later with um, with Cosmos when she takes out uh, all of Oh yes, houses. of course. That's now like... that's
1: madness. That's <laughs> that's wild. But his, with the finesse of the Durandel and the way that it can just yeah. like, and its lasers like curve and hit things and... I don't know. It was something else. That was really cool. Yeah, I like yeah. that scene a lot.
0: That's a very anime thing. So for the life of me, I cannot remember. I remember I was a kid. Yeah. There was some space opera anime that I was watching on TV. I never learned what it was called. Huh. I can't find it since. But they had uh, ships that could do that sort of like bending laser thing oh, where sick. the lasers like That's cool, bend man. around. <laughs> yeah. It's always it's always light, like the coolest visual. bends. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, yeah.
1: it's like... You so need a ton like of gravity, but you it's possible.
0: like a billion lasers, and some of them go straight, and some of them yeah. curve around onto the thing. You know
1: what this actually reminded me of was in Guardians of the Galaxy, that guy who can whistle, and then that arrow yes. like shows up and just like, just like kills like hundreds of people. This kind of had that feel to it a little bit. It was it was really cool. And also, I think, is this the point where then he goes on the offensive and he attacks? Yeah, yeah.
0: So they start retreating,
1: the ships. Yes. But he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna teach him a lesson, right? Yeah. Now, the ship looks like a sword. Yes. It is named after a sword. Durandel yes. is the sword of Roland from The Song of Roland, which is a really interesting
0: it's like poem. A French poem. Yeah, a
1: French right? poem yeah. from like a thousand years ago. Um but I did not expect him to use it like a sword to yes. stab yes. another ship. I thought that
0: was really interesting. That was
1: really cool, man. Yeah. I loved that. I think that was so cool. <laughs> And yeah. it's like a flying sword, right? So you've got the angel because the the wings that kind of are like going in a circle yeah, around sort of it. Rotates around. It looks like yeah. a hilt or something. Yeah, it does. But, it, but it's a hilt that looks like angel wings, basically. Yes, right. It looks like wings, and so you've got this flying sword, you know, and it just curves and goes through the space, and it stabs into another ship, and then they use it like pirates. They get off using the
0: the entrance at the tip of the sword after it stabs in. It is the coolest thing, so. Yeah, and that's how they end up boarding that ship. Which they go around and explore. This is kind of the next dungeon that you do. Um, yeah. I didn't take a ton of notes from this section. They, they, their goal there is to reach the mainframe and take some data from the ship. But along the way, there's a room where they have like some screens and there's like some yeah. schematics um, on there, or a diagram of this robot called a T. Ellos. I don't know if you yes, saw Yes, I did. I have lots of notes on it. Okay, go for it. I have lots. Because I'm assuming that this robot, T. Elos, is going to be, this is definitely a plant. This oh, is like yeah. a setup for something.
1: As soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, this is something, man. Yeah. So as we explore UTIC's mothership, we see a screen with the name T. on it and um, designs for a type of body or armor or a robot of some sort, something like that. So telos, telos, it's a Greek word. It means um, an object, like an objective, an aim or a purpose for something. I wonder if it's a secret design for someone we will meet later on. There is a sign up there that looks like Taurus, the Taurus sign. And if you Mm -hmm. feel like the Camry logo for the car or the Taurus is basically it's a circle with like a half circle above it. So it's like bullhorns.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, It could also be the alchemical symbol for bismuth, a brittle metal with a light pinkish color. Either way, since we saw the symbol for Cancer earlier, now seeing the symbol for Taurus uh, could follow suit. We may end up seeing more astrological symbols, and they all mean different things. So yep. that's what I got there for Telos. So it's an objective, or it's, it's an object. It's something
0: like a Telos is like a purpose. Yep. So I'm definitely expecting that to be a boss later or something important. Something. But. Or an ally. Yeah. Who knows? So there's a whole lot that goes on here. You, you got, like, your own soldier your own soldiers from your ship that you kind of talk to. There's, like, a little mm-hmm. funny section where they're, like, interrogating some uh, U-Tick guy. And, like, you can't be too nice. Like, one of, the, oh. one of the guys advocates for asking yeah, yeah. nicely, and one <laughs> advocates for being more bad cop. And, like, yeah. you, you, anyway, there's some funny stuff here. Yeah, I didn't fun. take too many notes about it. You got to get, like, a, a special key card to get through certain doors but eventually you get back to the, the or you get to the bridge of the ship where the yep. mainframe is at this is what they're after um, real quick junior when
1: he's running around with his robe he, it looks like a harry i feel like i'm he here playing a harry potter game <laughs> uh, yeah. and as harry potter's robes <laughs> flowed behind him
0: yeah. if you've ever played any of the old harry potter games yeah. it looks just like this it's, it's so totally, funny it's totally true so he touches the mainframe Touches the mainframe terminal. Yeah, he's he got. Shouldn't some, have done that.
1: Yes, that's right. Because, no, the girls told him not to. Yeah, the girls Mary. came in and they were like, "Okay, we we got this. You don't touch a thing." And he just walks right on up in like three seconds flat. He's yep. just like, and he touches it. Yep. I I couldn't tell if he was in a trance or if there was something weird pulling him to it or if he's just an arrogant little.
0: Yeah, you I know. think I think he's just <laughs> I think he's just arrogant and and <laughs> wasn't being careful.
1: That's more or less <laughs> what I assumed. I was like, dude, come
0: on, man, come on. Yep. But it activates this big mech that ends up being yeah. boss fight. It's like um, a spider, the the scorpion the robot from Final Fantasy VII, yeah. or the- or that one from Eight that chases you down. Oh yes, at the, the beginning. beginning, yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, so after that fight, Mary puts a wire into her head, and this is why I was thinking she yeah. be a Reallian or something like that. But she she reveals that she is human, and that her sister is Shelley. I guess they're both human, and they're they not just Reallians.
1: have a special connection.
0: Yeah, and, and right. she can to interlink with her sister's mind. She can yeah. interlink directly into the... So I'm guessing cyborg of some kind, but...
1: Yeah, so I've got um, this. The this, They interlink with each other, but they're humans. And the little master can telepathically talk to the Kaiser. They say this right, as well. the Kaiser. And right. so they're like, oh, we have a special link, but you do too. You talk to the Kaiser sometimes. And he's like, the yeah, I know. It's really annoying. I have to control my thoughts because I don't know if I'm going to send him stuff. Right. So... We've just been introduced in a very interesting way, I think, to a whole unique concept that is nothing like our world or anything (laughs) that's possible in our world. And they're kind of just flippantly just mentioning it, and then they move on, right? Um, But it seems as though that this little master can just telepathically send information back and forth to somebody, a Kaiser. A Kaiser, well, it comes from the word Caesar, right? But it means like a king. So he's like connected this little master, he's not just like some joker scavenging looking for something. Not only based on the power of the Durandel can we tell like, whoa, this is different. This is a class above everything else. Uh, but he is directly mentally linked with a king of some sorts off somewhere. Mm. So this is an important person. I don't yes. know what I thought of him at first, but now I realize this is a prince of sorts.
0: If the being like way overpowered didn't give it away than <laughs> this should have at this point. <laughs> if somebody's overpowered, they're either royalty
1: or they're like an outcast rebel, yeah, you know? It's right. like no one in the middle.
0: <laughs> okay, so... Um, I actually have tons of notes. <laughs> she's like okay, keep, downloading keep the mainframe's data. Right, but and then, then sending
1: it to... Yeah, but sister. then
0: all those dudes bust in and guns blazing. Yeah. And like the... the the cord gets severed and so they lose the data from the mainframe. In frame. part,
1: the cord gets severed because this, once again, little master, yes. very arrogant he's dude,
0: swinging his he's just
1: <laughs> doing cool-ish stuff. It's cool. I'm not going to lie. It's cool. Um, and he's like jumping and rolling and doing all the acrobatics. Um, and then he just kind of directs fire in the wrong way. They blame him for it, basically. Yeah, more which or less, I, thought was I don't know that it was his fault necessarily. He yeah. just like took out all these people, and that was pretty cool. But then I guess it's like, oh, he was too flashy. He directed fire. He wasn't thinking, he wasn't aware enough of what was going on. And that's the reason why they lost the data. So we have two points to go on um, for this character being a very <sighs> acting very rashly. In high-stakes situations and not really caring that much about it, right? Right. So maybe, uh, maybe like a sort of Han Solo type character, sure. Um, except in a in a 14-year-old kid.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> so, well, entire, it feels a little funny. I, I, it was not lost on me that his entire crew—I guess except for the soldiers—the enti- entire bridge crew are all women. Or yeah. Women. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so you know, that's uh, funny. Actually, <laughs> that's fascinating. I didn't. Um, I didn't
1: think of that because we also see all the Reallians and yeah, yes. they're all. They're yes. all the girls so that's funny.
0: do you have a note before we get into what Mary says about him I actually have a
1: hundred notes we skipped over it. a couple things let's, let's um, so I wrote here real quick um, and you you mentioned something I'm pretty sure so I said it looks like there are Kirschwasser <laughs> realians on this ship too as well yeah um, I I was I, I assumed they were 100 series. Okay. Um, I don't know if that was in the text or not, but that's what I wrote. I wrote, oh, so they're also 100 series. But Moment- Momo is different, I gather. So it could be that they are 100 series, but Momo just has something special about her. Sure. Despite being a 100 series. I don't know. So. Um, yeah, the little master touched the terminal. Well, that was dumb. All right. So um, no, actually, okay, okay we can kinda, go right into what you wanted. Okay, sweet.
0: So the the dialogue here I found to be kind of clumsy and embarrassing, hmm. but hmm. the main point that you get from this is what Mary says at the end, which is that ah uh, yes, yep, 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 the young master doesn't have a choice but to remain in this short yes. young boy body. So he's like stuck yes. in whatever body he's in.
1: So he is—he looks like a an adolescent kid. He is much older than he looks. Yes. How much older? Five thousand years old. Who knows? Is he five thousand like Momo? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but he is not as young as he looks. Yep. However, this brings us back. Think back to a couple episodes ago. We had um, a Jedi Council meeting. Yes. <laughs> about a. 14-year-old yeah, kid true. who went to Bormio University right. and joined possibly UTIC or Vector. I don't know. I think it was Vector. had, that had some they connection were, with Vector. They
0: were suspecting that um, yes. he joined Vector with Joachim Mizrahi.
1: Something like yeah. that, yes. Um,
0: well, we ha- we
1: have another candidate uh, on who this 14-year-old might be. Um, so it could be this junior person as well as, wh- I think we had mentioned, who was it before? I can't remember the name. Chaos. Chaos, yeah, yeah, Chaos. Um, so we have a couple candidates for who this might be, but I wanted to bring that one up too because I, I strongly suspect
0: Junior here. Yeah, we got Aiden here on um, the Patreon live streams uh, Discord here saying that Junior reminds him of like a Bart type character. That that's true. Bart- oh, Bartholomew Bart. Yeah. Okay, sure. So I think that that's actually pretty good. I see that. I see yeah. that. So. Here, here's the dialogue, though. This just, I don't know. I don't know. So Mary says, amazing. I can't believe how much his personality changes when he's holding a gun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shelley says, a lust for conquest and absolute power and the desire to have a really big gun. I suppose. Oh, I remember this. That'd now. be the I standard explanation. And Mary says, you like don't hold back, do you, Shelley? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Exactly, because yeah. he's small. Because <laughs> he's a little boy. <laughs> so Shelley says, although. In little master's case, it's probably just a complex about his height, and Mary giggles and says, "Probably, but I think the little master's plenty attractive just the way he is." Right. She she seems to like him. Yeah, looks like it. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's yeah. just weird she's <laughs> she, a little boy and she's not. Weird. <laughs> I mean, maybe but, technically he's not, but it's right. just, This is what anime does to get away with that. They just make right, the character old, um, then they actually, can have whatever. I'm actually like. 3,000 years old. I'm okay. not a five year old girl. Yeah. Anyway, didn't like that. But the point you're supposed to take away from this is uh, that he's stuck in that body, right? That's yeah. not how he's supposed to look. Something happened.
1: So, um, do we know if he's human? I think he is, but I don't know if we know that.
0: I don't know if we know for sure. My note like, here I says, would, okay, is, so.
1: is he a realian, right? Is he like, was he made young? Yeah. Or did he was he a human and something went wrong? And now he has to stay young. Something like that. I couldn't really tell based on the the uh, dialogue there. I couldn't exactly tell. But then they get an email saying that no, the Gnosis are coming. Actually, I think this is back with Shion. No, that doesn't make sense. I got an email saying that the Gnosis are coming. In an email. Oh, in an email? Yeah. It was like the Gnosis are coming. Oh. And then I was like, Maybe oh. Maybe I didn't look at that one. <laughs> well, I don't, can't remember exactly who got it. Either way. Something strange happened, then the gnosis showed up, sure enough.
0: Uh, Wow, Bob Wow is saying here on Discord that Mary and Shelley are allusions to the author Mary Shelley. I didn't look that up. Oh,
1: she wrote Frankenstein. Oh, okay. Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein, but she had to do it under a pseudonym at first, I think, because um, she was a woman, and those books didn't sell super well back then. Mm. And she didn't want to write um, the Emily, Emily Bront or, you know, the the books that were being written back then by right. women. She wanted to write a sci-fi horror film, <laughs> her <laughs> film book. And Boy, so she yeah. ended up using her husband's name. But I think it's been, it has been since corrected. Everyone knows that it was Mary Shelley who wrote it now. Um, but I don't really see the connection with Frankenstein. Mm, not yet. yet. Not yet. That's true. Okay. Not yet. I will look. Thank and of you. course, Frankenstein is the name of the doctor. Yes. Not necessarily not the, the name of the monster. Right. Yeah. So in that case, maybe, maybe there's a
0: connection. We'll have to see. Thank you for uh, letting us know that. Well, yeah, that's um, cool. Appreciate it. Okay, so now we cut back to the Elsa as it approaches this dock colony. Um, there's a lot that goes yeah, on here. Yeah, yeah, this Dharankov is big. in particular. Um, so Drenkov is gone. He's off the ship, and apparently he went to look for a charter flight. Um, oh, yeah, so leave. he could
1: leave. He, yep. he was talking directly with, uh, was it Margulis? Yes. Uh, and he's been, I, I would assume that the Elsa c- has control or c- has some way to monitor Signals that you are outgoing think. and incoming yeah. from the ship itself. Um, but Cherenkov's having these really secret conversations yep. just like right there in his little room. Yep. So um, my guess is that nobody really knows what he's doing. Uh, but he's arranged something like a safe travel um, so that he doesn't have to stay on the Elsa. Right. right. Possibly because he knows that something is coming.
0: Right. So <laughs> uh, Matthew says that this is not a good thing, though, because of right. what happened in the past on this colony. So. And Cherenkov doesn't know this. Right. He says that... Because the, he's not a real commander. <laughs> yes. And yes right. You have
1: to understand this. Yes. He's not a real commander. No. He's a, he's a phony. He doesn't actually know that much about the position that he's in and the military and all of that. Right.
0: So uh, Matthews explains that this colony, this Dock colony, was abandoned by the government and never yeah. properly restored <clears> after <throat> the war. The people here haven't forgotten how violent the military was, though. So... Anybody who shows up in a military uniform, people are not going to like that. Right. It's going to be dangerous for that person. It mentions that this place is not dangerous if you're a civilian. It's pretty dangerous if you're from the military. Um, mm. So they get worried, and they they you know have two parties that they split up. Um, yeah. Hammer is supposed to go with Alan, and then like Shion's going to go with Chaos and Ziggy. She goes to get Ziggy in particular oh, because right. he's the cyborg and he's strong. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you saw this part. Um, when you go to talk to Alan, he's like in the mess hall kitchen area eating mm. and he just like keeps eating and eating and eating. And he's like, like not talking to you and is stuffing his face. And she like, stop, like cho- choose to eat or talk like one or the other. And he like, won't stop. He's like pissed off about something. And, I think even chaos says something like he's he's taking this pretty hard, and I could not remember what it was he was upset about. The only thing mm. I thought it could be is that when Hammer and because I think we might have skipped this too, when Hammer and Tony get in their argument, yeah, yeah, yep, uh, Hammer kind of gets like frustrated and like takes his frustration out on Alan and says he's useless or something like that. The only right. thing I can think of is that he's upset about that somehow. Sure. But like Alan for some reason like doesn't want to give Shion the light of day as she comes to ask him to help them find Terenkov. And, and I don't know what Alan is so mad about. Well maybe her. he
1: just he has no presence. Maybe that girl, maybe he really liked that girl who was and but she he didn't Shion. she didn't know
0: he existed. Oh you're right, he likes Shion. I forgot about and that. And she has continually been She like knows who he ignoring is. Him, she kind did of.
1: she did tell him to stop crying
0: over spilled milk though.
1: That yes. <clears throat> But that was before. You're right. I don't. I can't actually recall. I don't remember exactly I, why he was upset. Yeah. So in my note, know. I'm
0: just like, what? What's he so mad about? I don't remember. Yeah. So maybe somebody in, the, in Discord can remind me, or someone in the comments. But I, I wasn't sure what he was so angry about. But he's he's pissed and he doesn't want to go. Hmm. Um, so Hammer takes off without him. Um, we then see a scene where Terenkov is being surrounded and approached by a bunch of like dock workers there. They're like see him and they're like they're like, you know. Oh wait. Bad. Wait, wait, wait.
1: I remember I am remembering something now. When they decide to split up, I think it was Hammer who said, Well, I guess I'll go with Alan. He doesn't seem to be that useful though. Yes, he does say that. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Yeah. You'd I, think Alan's used to hearing that. <laughs> but maybe seems, not. Maybe Alan's like, Oh these guys. Maybe it, Alan's gonna snap soon. It seems like
0: something <clears throat> like that shouldn't deter Alan from carrying the Terenkovs in danger. I agree. Enough to make him go. I'm so pissed. I'm not going to (laughs) go. So I I don't know. It was just weird, but
1: he might know something.
0: Um, okay. So you're kind of going around exploring this, uh, colony. There's shops and NPCs to talk to kind of a lot going on there. Um, Next time we see Cherenkov, he's getting beaten up by these guys. Yeah, he's in and, an alleyway. And <clears throat> Hammer sees this from a distance and runs away to find us and let us yeah. know what's going on. But before the scene ends, this is, this is where <clears throat> this Cherenkov story started to get, like, exceptionally cool. To oh, make. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the Aleph symbol the Aleph, yep, yep. lights up on his forehead.
1: So uh, what does that mean, right? This, I, yes. I took it to mean that he's like a contact of sorts. Because that symbol is on the Zohar. It's on the emulator. On emulators. that particular
0: emulator. That emulator, yes. Because this is kind of the first scene for next episode of the podcast. But the different Zohar There's emulators a bunch have of them. different symbols on them. You're right, yes. They that's have true. different that's Hebrew correct. alphabet characters yep. on them. And in the scene coming up with Terenkov, in a little bit when he goes to level 8, uh re uh, reconditioning for his personality. Uh, he yes. has the het. He has a different. I noticed that. In his yes,
1: head. the chet, yeah. So and het
0: is eight. It's the eighth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So yeah. he was going to level 8 reconditioning. But what why aleph? Aleph is the I know. first. That
1: that confused with the flashbacks, the the differing letters and him reverting. It's possible that he has all of them. And that, depending yeah. on if he's using a power or not, or if he's doing something, or if something's controlling him, uh, that that is the letter that will show up on well, his forehead. What
0: was even more, and we're way ahead of ourselves. I know, <laughs> What, I can't what was it. even very more sorry, confusing people. to me was that <clears throat> at level seven, personality reconditioning, it was Aleph as well. I know,
1: I, I, I saw that too. You're right. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to read into what it means, and I'm like, oh, it's just, it doesn't mean much. I don't I don't yeah. know it's got to <laughs> oh no it, it definitely' it's got, got to. to I just don't know what it I needs. couldn't figure
0: it out either um, anyways <clears throat> the Aleph symbol lights yep. up in his forehead almost like uh when he's pushed to a certain limit right like this thing and I, I I believe I know the reason why it's like part of the we'll get to that later we'll explain it later but yeah when he's like pushed to a certain limit it's like this thing lights up in his head this Aleph symbol which is the same symbol that was on the Zohar emulator, that was on the Wuglinde, yeah, that particular one.
1: Right? Yep. Um, markings on the forehead are used in multiple places in the Bible to show somebody who is either deserving of life or death. <clears throat> this is a common thing within the Bible. Mm-hmm. It depends on the markings, right? So, um, in Ezekiel, the ones who are marked on their forehead they live. But in the Book of Revelation, the mark is of the beast, right? right. So either way, it's a marking. Um, Cherenkov has been selected one way or the other. So mm-hmm. I took this to have some significance that is true. with like a contact he type been thing. selected. Right? There's a deeper reason why. Oh, I also noted this too. Because after, when we see him again, before we know exactly what happened, he's being helped by Momo. So yeah. the the crew kind of find him. They pick him up. He's surrounded by just dead, dead bodies, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay, what happened here? This is right. b- a bit reminiscent of Xenogears. Um, and then they take him all the way to the... To the ship, to the Elsa, to have him fixed up. And Momo is like, "Oh, hey, let me like really help you. I can give you this. I can do this." She's got some medical expertise in her realion you know, programming. Um, and he won't let her do anything. He won't yeah. let her like do anything like that. He won't accept any medical help. It's almost as if he is hiding something about his body that yes. would then get revealed right. if she were to, you know, work on him. Work on him in any serious way. So mm-hmm. he's just saying, "I'm fine. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it." Um, the guys got into an argument with each other and they all killed each other and I just sat back and watched. That's what he says.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's his, his way of trying to explain <coughs> it away was yeah. I was cornered. They were gonna like beat me up but then, then they started fighting themselves. Well, no, this is what happened. Themselves. The trolls
1: were so busy arguing amongst <laughs> how, how whether they were gonna cook him or squash him into yeah. jelly <laughs> that the first lights crept up over the horizon and poof, turned them all into stone. That's right. That's what happened. That's what happened. So basically, it's I don't know it's who buys happened. that. I don't know. But, you know, I guess they all more or less believe it. Shion, of course, because she'll believe anything he says. Yeah. Like, oh, OK. And
0: uh, nobody really pushes him any further on it. Right. Uh, which, again, only Alan has ever done up to this point is push anybody or question anything. And he's not here. He's not with us. Yeah, so that's right. no, actually, wait, I think he is at this point. I can't remember,
1: up. actually. Once everyone's kind of there. But Cherenkov, he, he isolates himself pretty quickly. He's like, yeah. he definitely wants to be alone.
0: Um, <clears throat> and then, like, as Shion is sort of, like, tending to him, we have uh, Ziggy kind yes, of pulling Lomo to the here. side um, yeah. for repairs or maintenance or something like yes. that. Um, and this is where Ziggy said pre-Loma instead of <laughs> pleroma. The pre-Loma. Um, that right? yeah, that's wonderful. So... He calls over to do maintenance. He explains that he's embarrassed to have a young woman like Sheon do it. Um, oh, and Momo
1: gets upset. Yeah, it's like, oh, you don't think of me as a real person, then, right? Because right. you're you're not embarrassed in front of me, right? And he says, no, that's
0: not it. Yeah, I'm really comfortable with you because you you have a really pure heart. You know, because uh, of your radiant sort of like inherent goodness, like Her can, ange- angelic, yes,
1: being of the. Um, the uh, image of the snitch that is displayed all over her, right. the golden, right, the right. the symbol
0: of, of perfection, and you know innocence, I guess. <clears throat> yes, so absolutely. He's, he's really comfortable with her, and so she likes that answer. More bonding between them, that I think is really yeah, working, really good. I love at it at this point. But um, Cherenkov envies Ziggy. I yeah. remember him
1: saying yes, yes as they were going. And I was but really. Now, but is it Ziggy or Momo? Or he both? Said, he or said, both "I of envy them.
0: It could have been both. Because I didn't think of that of the fact that they have a bond. Or, sure, sure. Or They're connected in some way. It's a, it's a deeper connection to a human being. Or sure, reality, sure. I guess. Wow. That close he, enough. As we learn, has never experienced. He's, That's
1: Okay, that could have been it. Because I was thinking, was it Ziggy or Momo? And I was trying to figure out, but he said, I envy I envy them or I envy you. Yes. He was, I you. envy you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, in the Japanese, uh, the plural would be easier to tell, but I didn't.
0: Oh, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so um, outside the hallway, Cherenkov is struggling to walk. He's having these flashes, uh, memories of his encounter with the Gnosis that almost killed him earlier before Chaos <laughs> stepped in. Yeah, um, he gives himself kind of like a like a shot. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, and then the Alice symbol appears on his forehead again. Yep. So is he an
1: addict? Does he have some other? There's some thing that he needs medicine in order
0: to like subdue or to like c- yeah. control. And uh, <coughs> I think I know the answer to that, but uh, again, I'm going to wait till a little later. Right, me too. Um, so after speaking with Matthews, they take off to the, for the motion system. They leave this docking station that they're at, or docking colony. Um, Trenkov is having nightmares of his encounters with the Gnosis. Uh, he gets up to get some coffee. His, his breath is visible, like it's, like it's cold oh, or something. that's right, yeah. Um, And then uh, he kind of stumbles down and he loses that vial, the shot that he gave himself, it kind of falls away and and his hand is beginning to disappear. Um, It's like becoming transparent, right? Yeah. And he's he's having other flashbacks or visions of the Zohar, uh, the Zohar emulator with the Aleph symbol on it when it was with the Woglinde. Yeah. Um,
1: Now, it almost seems like the Gnosis marked him because he has a memory of being, I think he got grabbed by the gnosis. Yeah, right? he did
0: he, on the on the Elsa.
1: Yeah, and so I guess the markings, okay, so this is an older note from before the, the psycho- psychology session. We, yeah, we learned about what that. happened. To him. So my note is, what, the gnosis marked him? I now know that not to be the case. Um But he has a medicine he needs. His head was taken by the gnosis. He almost died but got saved but lost his leg but gained knowledge gnosis or some abilities he may have a special connection with the gnosis that one is for sure true um the special abilities thing maybe uh not so much yeah so but yeah he is now moving into the unseen domain and that seems to be a direct consequence of his um his contact with the gnosis right and that's why he's like disappearing almost
0: right okay so after that scene we get a scene with xion while she's sleeping uh, and she hears a voice calling her name. Oh, yeah. It tells her yeah. it may already be too late. And, and she says, who are you? What do you mean yeah. too late? Oh, this and, is fascinating. Uh, the voice says, ultimately, the choice is up to him. But you, you may be able to understand him in his final moments. Indeed, it will bring him comfort. So I'm pretty sure this is the little girl that's been talking to her. The little the angel game, girl. Or following yep. around. And she's talking about Trenkov. Because Trenkov's mm. final moments are coming. So it may already be too late for him kind of a thing. Pretty sure that's what she's referring to there. Yeah. Um, So the angel girl shows up in
1: dreams to Xion, She speaks without moving her mouth. And Xion has no idea who it is. mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's interesting, the idea of speaking, because it's in a dream. Well, okay. The connection that we made previously with Little Master and his telepathic connection with somebody else um, lends... You know, to me, just in general, the idea that um, this girl's speaking without moving her mouth. Usually that's considered some type of telepathy. Um, Somebody's putting dreams into her head, away from her. Somebody remotely is like, you know, controlling her dreams. Um, So this may have a connection with the telepathy. That this is the first time that I've started to think that this girl in her dreams might be somebody somewhere. Not just like an angel or a memory or something like that, but some a, a person somewhere else who is like telepathically doing this. Yeah. Um I think that's a possibility now.
0: Yeah. So, um she wakes up. She undoes from that warning, I guess. Um there's some turbulence going on here in hyperspace. Uh Cosmos ends up explaining that there's a powerful force that's affecting the ship from outside hyperspace. Yeah, that's crazy. Um something's trying to contact them and if it persists it's going to drag them out. And everyone's, okay, you know, what's that going to mean? Like, what's going to happen? And then uh, everyone's hands start glowing this kind of purple Mm. energy shade. And then the ship begins to glow that same color. And then Uh. the ship is, wham, just like brought straight out of hyperspace. Without a gate, right? Without a gate. Straight into just just giant freaking field of gnosis everywhere. Yes. (laughs) And (laughs) not just... The ones we saw from earlier, the smaller or maybe ship-sized ones. Yeah. But this freaking Huge. massive, massive, massive one. Yeah. Giant, like, planet-sized noses. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I think Shion says something about the only one they that the Federation had ever known or classified as being that bid was called, like, the Cathedral Ship. The Cathedral ship, ship, yeah. Or something like that. Which is crazy. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that's what this thing is, the cathedral ship. Yes, this is ship the cathedral ship. Um, and they begin being pulled in by its gravitational force. And uh, next thing you know, they all kind of wake up and they're inside of this thing.
1: And they're outside of the ship, right? Yes.
0: So I don't, I still,
1: I've played a ways past this. I still don't know exactly what, what happened, happened there, happened there <laughs> and how that makes any sense. So there are people still in the Elsa and they're still flying around and yes. they're also inside the cathedral, but these people got transported out of it and yep. are just kind of standing around, yep. right? Now, in this place, you're seeing like street signs and you're seeing yes. parts of buildings yes. and lots of English text. Yes. And it's basically um, wh- um, the planet. What's yes. The planet? What's the planet called? A- Ariadne. Not not planet. Ariadne. It's Ariadne. A. A.
0: Yeah, because yeah, they have, you, you come up to, uh, so it's Sheon, Chaos, and... Ziggy, Momo, and Cosmos that yeah, were that's brought right. here. And they're kind of in your party now um, as you're exploring the inside of this Gnosis. This is a really long dungeon.
1: Yes. Really <laughs> yeah.
0: long dungeon. Um, but, uh, oh, sorry. I forgot to mention back when they were on the, on the Elsa, Shion told Cosmos to initiate an ultra wide range Hilbert effect, which brought all, oh, of, that's this, right. all of these Gnosis into, into reality, right? Reality. <clears throat> And into so, our dimension.
1: That way, they can actually stand and interact physically. Right. <clears throat> yeah, that's right.
0: So uh, they did that, and and I remember um, Momo was super impressed by this. Like, even she says, even yeah. an amplified system should only achieve a range of about a hundred kilometers. Ah. Uh, so. And this one was over nine thousand. Well, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yes, because <laughs> um, Momo can initiate a localized Hilbert yeah. effect. Yeah. It's super taxing on her but right. she's capable of doing that and, and almost like it was nothing Cosmos brings I mean just yeah. thousands that's possibly wild. tens of thousands and of her thousands.
1: battery isn't even like that depleted no right? she, she doesn't can even still, bother her she can like still nothing. do stuff
0: yeah that's wild that's crazy so anyways forgot to mention that um, so they're all in here They're and Trankov is as well he's just is separate yeah he. this was really interesting to me uh, and this one, despite the fact that it seems like his story kind of ends at the end of this particular dungeon, yeah, there's something here that I feel like is not answered yet. Oh, really? And I, mm. I took note of it, but I'm not sure what's going on with that. So Cherenkov is walking around inside. He finds himself on Ariadne, the planet. He, he says, like, Ariadne is impossible. Like, yeah. this planet disappeared. Yeah. Um, or it vanished. He walks forward. There's all these people. They kind of disappear and it leaves behind this door frame right in front Uh, of him. Ah, yes, that's right. And he walks up to it and he opens it and it's like it's a a portal to another place which is like this battlefield. Now, here's Uh, the part that's really interesting is the first shot we see there is of a little boy standing on this battlefield. Uh, Hmm. uh, People dead everywhere. Battle happening. But then it cuts to Turankov as like an adult soldier on this same battlefield. I don't know if that's supposed to be him as a kid that they're showing there or something like well, that. I, I, I couldn't quite connect I may have
1: something what later that on.
0: shot was for. The shot of the little boy before they show Tarenkov in the midst of that chaos. Interesting. I don't know that I have much to add to that, but we'll see. Um... But I feel like there's something to that mm. that hasn't been answered yet. So I don't know if Trankov's story is actually completely over yet. Huh. Um, but we, we're going to learn so much about him and his past here, and like some of the terrible, terrible things that the Federation like laws. Learn more about um, the Recycling Act, the uh, uh, yeah, yeah. life preservation, or whatever they call it, right? Life Recycling Act.
1: And they basically perform lobotomies, right? Right, and they just try to using your DNA and your psyche, they try to change who you are.
0: Yes. Yeah. Some really interesting sci-fi concepts here that I thought were <clears throat> really cool. So, um, we cut back to the Durandal before we get to that. Uh, the ship is uh, sounding an alarm. So, so the Durandal was not, they haven't met up with our characters yet. So they, they were somewhere else, right? They're, they were trying to find the Zohar inside of the Woblinde. Um So, they're scrambling to figure out what's happening. Uh, the, the dialogue here is distorted wave patterns detected in the quarantine hangar. I'm guessing on their own ship. Um, hmm. Raising a tract inhibitor output in all sector D compartments. UMN traffic detected across EPR radar. Something's beaming resonant waves through hyperspace. Um, hmm. So things are going crazy. They're detecting basically Uh, probably the Hilbert effect that Uh, Shion did, or that Cosmos did, and so they're going there now. Hmm. Um, Okay, so then we cut back to Shion inside the giant Gnosis. They find a sign that reads Ariatne Central Shopping Center, yeah, yeah, which is crazy. Um, So this planet that disappeared ended up inside of this Gnosis. This is where it's confirmed that the things disappearing are not being destroyed. They're going somewhere. And in this particular case, they went inside of this uh, cathedral ship, Gnosis thing.
1: Yes, and or, gosh, it's like the planet itself became a Gnosis.
0: Yes, right, or something like that. So that's crazy. Right, <laughs> I actually didn't think of that. That that could be what it is. Something I don't know. Like
1: that that's more or less what I was thinking. And that this is the Gnosis oh. planet where the Gnosis live. And,
0: anyways, interesting. Yeah. Who knows? Um, <clears throat> so as they're wandering about. Sheon sees the little girl in her mind's eye again. Uh, She's telling her he'll be gone soon. You need to hurry up. That he'll, um, what is it, to understand
1: him will bring comfort. Yeah. Right? Um, Yeah, I think that's it. So uh, it will bring Cherenkov comfort to be understood in his final moments. Right. So he's disappearing. He's dying. There's nothing we can do. We just need to go be with him
0: as this all happens. Yeah. Um, Okay, so then we see Trinkoff wandering through darkness. Um, We see some flashbacks to him during a time when he was on trial somewhere. Um, The dialogue here is really interesting. It could be said, this is his lawyer speaking, his attorney. Ah, yes. It could be said that the circumstances surrounding the defendant actually qualify him as a victim of the life recycling law, Therefore, is it right for him to be the first victim of a capital punishment system that had been abandoned for thousands of years? So she's defending him. He needs to pay for his crimes, but with the advancements and progress that we've made in science and psychology, like certainly there can be another way he can repay society rather than capital punishment. So Mm. let's talk about the Life Recycling Act real quick. I thought I had it up. Here, species pre- her species preservation, which is related to related, me. yeah. There's so it. the Life That's Recycling Act. Um, w- I think we were a little foggy on this in the last episode when we talked about. It, so I want to kind of clear it up a little bit. The Life Recycling Act, also known as the Life Recycling Law, which is what the Attorney referred to it as, was introduced by the Galaxy Federation in TC forty five ninety, approved and implemented not even a year later in TC forty five ninety one. Um, which is about 177 years before episode one. Oh, okay. So So not that long.
1: Well, like a while, but
0: in the scheme of things. Yes. Not like too long. Uh, Over 150 years ago. Yeah. As a means to recycle the bodies of the dead, those who had registered to be donors in life had their bodies recycled and turned into cyborgs by Ziggurat Industries, such as Ziggurat 8 or Ziggy, However, Hmm. they were resurrected as weapons with their human rights stripped from them. Also, recycling was interpreted as extending the effective utilization of genes, and the bill was seen as including human clones and genetic and cranial nerve modification. The Life Recycling Act resulted in life recycling variants, which is what Terenkov was, as well as the Species Preservation Act. So... These people were brought back to life, but they no longer had human rights. They were like property, yeah, of the military and the they government, were used whatever. for
1: you know clandestine operations and stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: And they were changed. They, they weren't the same person, right? They were modified. That's right. Yeah. So They're, they would give them like new
1: memories. They would like prevent yeah. them from accessing their former self. They'd basically be like a like somebody who just went through amnesia, right? Yes. And it's just like you're a clean slate.
0: You do as you're told now. And Specifically designed uh, in Terenkot's case to be a soldier. The the, the sort of yeah, drive to kill That's right. like that's embedded right embedded into him. Yeah. So that's why his attorney is defending him here. He's a he's a victim of this life recycling act. Mm. He can't control that right sort of urge to kill or whatever. Um we made him that way. Is is basically what she's saying there. So, the Species Preservation Act came, as a follow-up to that, is a Galaxy Federation law enacted in order to revive the human race, which had degenerated due to the harmful effects of the Life Recycling Act. So, this Life Mm -hmm. Recycling Act had, in a large way, um, screwed up with the diversity of genes, uh, and so, yeah. like it was, it, it was causing a problem with people being able to have children. Um, I know that there's a scene coming up right after this, where the only reason uh, he, he ends up marrying his attorney, he gets re um, what do they call it, right? His personality gets sort of like reprogrammed or whatever. Sure, yeah. As the as the as the punishment for his crime, right? But like <laughs> the only reason she ended up getting with him was to be able to get a license to clone herself, basically. Mm. Um, And he's talking about, why can't we just have like a child of our own? Like, I don't understand. Are are you kidding me? Like, would I pass on your jacked up, messed up, like stupid uh, uh, mutant genes to like someone else? You're like crazy. Like, you're pathetic for thinking that anyone would want that. I I only did this in order to get the license to um, clone myself. So through human cloning... And this Life Recycling Act, bringing people back to life and messing with their genes, Mm. they've kind of like almost uh, endangered the human species. Um, And so that's what this uh, Species Preservation Act is about. Mm. So enacted in order to revive the human race, which had degenerated due to the harmful effects of the Life Recycling Act. With the passage of the Life Recycling Act... Uh, people pursued their ideals and came to ignore the basic nature of genes to add diversity in species, people became in danger of extinction uh, from the smallest changes in environment because when a group of one species adapt to only one environment, they have all the same weaknesses. Hmm. So that's the difference between the two things. And gotcha. So now that we've got that cleared up, that's you know, kind of what they're talking about here. Hmm. Uh, let me come back here. So we already talked about that scene where she berates him, tells him she's using him just so she can get a license to or permit yep. to clone.
1: So then he walks up behind her. Yes. And don't know exactly how, but he kills her, probably just grabs her neck and Strangles lifts her, her up. And yeah. So she's, she's gone, and he's back at court again. And yep. We see him once again, and they're like, we don't know what went wrong. Uh, something's up. It's still not his fault, but he's resisting this new programming we're giving him. Right? Mm. So they basically gave him a lobotomy. Yes. Yet he's, it didn't work. So they have to
0: do it again. <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyways. Um, they go to a, like another level. It's like. Yes, yes. He was at level levels. seven personality repurposing or whatever. Now yeah. they're going to level eight, which at this time is the official highest level. right? And so the reason they're doing this is, is um, and, and this is where we see the symbol that gets kind of burned into. Yeah. We saw it before with <laughs> the Aleph symbol. Mm-hmm. On the 8th, level it's the het symbol yeah um and i i pulled up some things that this might mean i'm sure you looked at it too
1: i did i
0: did because i thought it was the hay
1: at first um yeah but the lines connect and so it's the het not a hay um hay being one of the um, words of yahweh right one of the words of, of god See One if of I the can letters. Again.
0: Oh, never mind. I'm not connected. Yeah, I don't get internet here either. All right. But maybe yeah, I'll have to bring that I up looked next into time. it, but
1: I didn't come a- away with um with much. With, so with I kind of just skipped over it. I, I wrote here the Hebrew letter Het appears on his forehead, and that's it.
0: Yeah. Uh, the really only solid connection I could find there, but it doesn't even really make sense given that Aleph appeared on level 7, <laughs> is right. that Het is the eighth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Sure. And this is level eight. That was like the only like well, semi-solid connection I could find.
1: Is it possible that this has happened many, many, many times and we were just seeing the first reprogramming at first
0: and now we're seeing the eighth it's and possible, they just skipped all the other but I numbers? thought they said seven. I specifically seven as the remember punishment. something like that. Yeah. But yeah. one thing I do remember about reading up on this symbol is it's a symbol, it, it kind of comes up and over and down like yeah. this. It almost looks like um, like a door frame. Oh yes, which yeah. is a door he went through earlier uh, in was like, So I don't know. Something interesting connection oh, okay. there. There could be, but then also you know, kind of the Passover. It's like the the blood yep. on the is is where this kind of symbol. Yeah, because in, in you word. were
1: to put the blood on the three, the side, the top, and then yes, the, right, down. the three. Boom, boom. Yeah,
0: two, two, two. On the posts of, yeah. of the door frame. So, um, it, which it I has, always interpreted as hey. But
1: it could be Chet as well. And Chet, it may be Chet. Anybody who speaks Hebrew, please, please tell me. I thought it was
0: one of the letters of of Yahweh, but it could be Chet. Well, I think it can also symbolize um, like new beginnings in a a way. Well, a
1: doorway uh, is an entrance and an exit, right? It's both.
0: Right. So, yeah, that makes sense. And um, so he's... Being his personality is being repurposed again. It's a rebirth, it's a yeah. new person. It's like a hmm. but that's true of level seven, I that's know, true of all those of them. They're all doorways, so I don't, <laughs> I, I'm not feeling very solid at all about why the characters. Because, yeah, and this is for next, it's the very beginning of next episode. I know, I know, I know. The Zohar emulators all have different symbols on them. Yes. One of them has Het, one of them has Aleph, so I, something's going on there. I don't know, yeah, we'll see. Um,
1: there's also, as the people are talking and he's just kind of listening and they're all deciding his fate all around him. And he's just kind of sitting there. He's wearing white, you know, he's just dressed in, he's just sitting in the chair as everyone debates what's going to happen to him. Um, but one of the lines is, oh, it's, there seems like we don't know what's going wrong. Oh, there seems to be a bit of nucleic acid clinging, clinging to life is yes. what they said. Right. Um, and that's the selfish gene. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's the right. theory. We talked about this in uh, Metal, Gear. Metal Gear Solid. Uh, yeah. But the idea that the the genes are what are clinging to life and trying to be sent down through the generations and that they are resisting. And it's not, you know, anyways, it's just, that was a, a fun little nod to Richard Dawkins.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> so um, then there was a little girl. So well, we, after I, this, okay, what happens One here? thing I wanted to bring up is that at level eight personality reconditioning, they say the defendant, number 12584's human rights, shall be revoked, and henceforth the defendant shall be treated as a life form belonging to the Federation. According to current law, this treatment grants the bearer the same rights and privileges as those of a realian. So oh, wow. he has so no more a human low-class rights. low-class citizen. Yeah, yeah, he's like been kicked down on the pegging order of society there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he basically is a, he's property to the Federation at that point. Wow. Um, and so, yes, now we have this the scene yeah, where he's, he's walking through.
1: After the trial, they let him go for the eighth time, <laughs> I'm thinking, I don't know. And they're just like, everything's fine. This will work. And he sees a girl. The girl's just chilling, you know, not doing anything wrong. Yet he hears in his voice a callback to Xenogears. <laughs> he, he hears um, or what he says, sees yeah. is the girl calls him trash, right? Garbage. Yeah. Garbage. Yep. yep. And he also sees his ex-wife's head. Yes, on, on the girl. Yeah, and he's thinking, "Oh, did she? I don't know exactly what he's thinking, but I guess it's that's I'm pretty not pretty sure." This
0: girl is the clone.
1: Okay, I thought of that. Yeah, but I also thought that maybe he didn't know that,
0: or assumed that it or something. He assumed
1: that he's seeing. He's becoming schizophrenic. He's seeing things that aren't there. He's. He's, he sees this girl and he sees her face in this girl and he's like, oh, I've got to kill her. But I think he sees her face somewhere else too. Maybe? Yes. No, yeah.
0: Well, that's when he's like leaving Ariadne right before it disappears. And he right. like looks down on the ground. And, and she's
1: still there. there. So anyways, I don't, I don't know what's up there. Uh, my assumption, my takeaway from this is that he's seeing this girl. His memories continue to haunt him and he's seeing uh, his ex-wife all over the place. Yeah. And he's acting on... Um, like some schizophrenic behaviors, not really um, reality, right? Well, yeah. You could say that this is the clone, but I would just as easily say that his mind is so, like, warped that he sees her
0: everywhere, even where she isn't. Yeah. Well, the reconditioning, the personality reconditioning is supposed to suppress this, like, desire to kill that he has. Yeah, get it. And that's that's what that... So quickly The symbol comes up on his head when it's doing that, when it's, like, suppressing It's suppressing. Mm. So... That's what happens when he goes to walk up to kill his wife. Is that symbol appears on his head, but it's not strong enough to it, stop him.
1: Now, why is that, though? That's
0: crazy. They they're confused about that too. Yes, <laughs> which is so. Cherenkov's special. Which is why when he kills this girl and it's at level eight, they they say something like, um, "No one has ever resisted level eight reconditioning or something like that." This is crazy. Yeah. We're gonna have to make him a test subject for level nine. Ah, sure. But then he kills all the freaking scientists. That's right. That's right.
1: And then that's when is it Margulis? Margulis Yeah, Margulis shows up and isn't scared of him at all. No. So um, Cherenkov doesn't want to do this. You can see it in him. He doesn't want to do this,
0: but he gets put. It's his genes, dude. Yes, uh, (laughs) it's the genes clinging
1: to life. The genes don't want to go quietly, right? Yeah. And so he just lashes out and kills people over and over and over. Now this last one is fascinating because how even if somebody is their mind is affected in a strange way right how can they kill a whole facility of people without them killing well, him well he was he has designed to be a soldier s- yes but he has special 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 it's, superpowers yes, <laughs> like like yes. he is he isn't he isn't just a soldier whatever he was whatever powers he was given they aren't, like, he wasn't a grunt. He mm. wasn't just, like, one of the random soldiers. He was, like, really, he was a mage or something. He was yeah. extremely powerful. Um, uh, but Margulis knows how to talk to people like this. Mar- 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 Margulis? Margulis. Yeah. Margulis. Margulis, um, he shows up, and he's not afraid at all, and he knows what Cherenkov wants, right? Yeah. And he's like, I can give it to him, and I don't... Like, he, he's not really afraid at all. It seems like he's dealt with people like this a lot before. And yeah. he, he may be one himself or sure. something like that. Um, so, anyways, I thought that was fascinating. Yeah.
0: Um, one thing I also kind of forgot to mention is uh, all these people, particularly the soldiers who were part of this life recycling act, right? yeah. they got brought back to be soldiers and reconditioned right. and all that stuff. And they had a really hard time reintegrating into society again. Yes. They were yeah. bred to be killers and stuff. So right, that was why he did his first killing, which made him go into the level seven reconditioning thing that the original trial was about. And then, yeah, he just can't stop yeah. himself from doing
1: it. So, um, and after this, that's when he sees his ex-wife as he gets taken and, away by yeah. Margulis. Right. But, well, no, no, no,
0: not, right? not quite. It's not. Oh, okay. Um, so Margulis recruits him there. Yeah. But then, uh, he has some kind of special mission from Margulis. He was responsible for the disappearance of Ariadne. Oh, so yes. I'm aware of that. Ariadne.
1: And that's why he keeps having these flashbacks of yes. more or less Ariadne, right? Right. So this whole Gnosis thing was, was for him. It seems It was that like for him. Yeah. And so they pulled him out of hyperspace just for Cherenkov. Yes. Um, that's what it seems like. That's wild. Because, again didn't see him as being that important of a person. I didn't either. <laughs> and I don't know what the gnosis are doing and how they, how they think and how they act and what, what they're doing at all. Yeah. Um, but this was all specifically for him to show him his past crimes. He has to face his past now. Yes. Um, and he sees uh, as they're carrying him off, you know, he's, uh, and this is why I'm pretty sure he just sees the faces of the people he's killed. He sees yeah. their faces. And that's why I assumed that wasn't really his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. Um, he just sees the people he killed all over, all the time, everywhere he goes.
0: Um, so, yeah, he's having a hard time. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> we cut away from that to go back to Shion and group again. I noticed that there was one uh, room in here. So I think they get... Um, no, th- there's a room here. It, it has like an elevator a huge, in the center. Yes, yeah. This, this is totally designed like Shavat. Remember Shavat. In I'll in Xenogears, um, the oh, citadel, the one up, you go up high, the elevator yes, yes, yes. And yes. Then, like they have that circular sort of like platform around it. You go to the different rooms. Yes, I remember and that. It looks now. almost yes. exactly the same. Okay, cool. Huh, <laughs> Interesting. That. I don't. Uh, it's probably just you know, a coincidence. Kind of callback to it, but yeah. I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, it looks exactly like the same room. Uh, so they go down that elevator. Ooh, yeah. But, but actually, before this, I feel like they came to the center of. They did, because... Um, and they found that giant huge, Zohar-looking thing.
1: Huge, and it's, like, black. It's, like, dark. It's like they found a huge dark...
0: like, organic material yes. on
1: it. And this one has the, the gem. The gem in it. The turquoise gem I yes.
0: I thought maybe this is the original Zohar. Yes, that's what I thought, too. <clears throat> But I don't, I don't know, know if it is. <laughs> because it's
1: freaking massive. But once again, when you go back, think back to the very beginning of Xenosaga. I don't recall exactly how big that Zohar was that, that got beamed in. Yeah. Uh, the scale kind of, you lose big. you lose the scale. I wouldn't think it so. But be, maybe because you don't see a person standing next to it. Like, I have no idea how big that thing was. I didn't think of it as being this big. Yeah, <laughs> That's just the camera work, though. Like, it, maybe it was. I really don't know. but it definitely looks like it at least uh, with the gem. It doesn't have those
0: uh, Hebrew alphabet markings. It has gems. The gem. And that was my first thought. This is the original Zohar. Like, this is it. And I don't, for the life of me, I cannot figure out how Shion does not see the resemblance between that thing they're looking at, which she just calls wreckage, like random wreckage. Yes. That's a, that's a freaking Zohar, man. <laughs> and
1: and here's and here's the thing. As I mentioned before, she has the Zohar shapes on her body. Like yeah. Her uniform is designed around the Zohar. Everything that they do is designed because of the Zohar. Yet she um, seems to not know much about uh, what, what a Zohar is. What they are, yeah. uh, but they have the colors of the Zohar, and you see this all the time. You have her, well, I guess it was her specific eye color. Um, but you have like her, her color, right? It is the exact shape of a Zohar. So it is strange to me to see that something that influenced their culture so heavily is so absent from like recent memory. Like they, they don't know about it and that I I can see it. I'm not saying that it's impossible. Sometimes people still carry on symbols centuries, you know, millennia later on. And then it's like, well, they don't have the original meaning anymore. They don't know what it meant. They don't know what it was. Sure. Yeah. Right. That happens. And so this could be one of those things. But I assumed that they still knew what they were because they the, were. at least the government stills know what it, still right. knows what it is. Yeah. Uh, well, it's Argus just definitely knows. Yeah. That, yeah. They're, and maybe people really do know. But for whatever reason, she it doesn't recognize it uh, as quickly. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah.
0: So anyways, from there they have to go down because they detect that the Elsa is close by, like 300 meters below them or something. So that's why they get on that elevator and go down. Um, let's see here. Cosmos proceeds forward and Xion tells her not to go off on her own. She's commenting on how she didn't program her that way. Um, Cosmos identifies, oh, this is the Zohar emulator, the one with the Aleph symbol on It's yeah. in this room. Yes, yep, it's here.
1: And it's much smaller.
0: Yeah, so Cosmos yeah. identifies it as the Zohar emulator uh, that was stored on the Woglinde. Yeah. Shion doesn't understand how Cosmos can even know about this um, because she didn't program any of this into her. And this is where Trankov enters and reunites with them, and says, "You're the creator of that thing, and you didn't even know that." So Trankov knows something about Cosmos that even Sheon doesn't. This know. bothers Sheon a
1: ton. Yes, and this is why she was like Commander or whoever the guy was when she was talking, getting all sassy, talking back to that guy. Yeah. Um, This is, she's been suspecting something this whole time. Yeah. But finally, Cherenkov kind of tells her more or less. Right. Directly saying like, you, you don't, like surely you've noticed. Yeah. Right. right. That Cosmos does not only do what you programmed her to do. She's doing other other stuff. Um, This was a big, this was a big moment for me actually, because I had kind of seen this, but I hadn't, I hadn't thought of any espionage or any corruption or anything like that. Yeah. Other than, oh, wow, Cosmos seems to have her own free will. That's kind of where I thought they were taking this. Uh, as soon as I hear this line, I'm like, oh, there's other people involved who yes. inserted this programming into Cosmos. This is very interesting. It, it, it became much more intriguing for me.
0: Yeah, and then after that line, right, um, uh, let's see, Trankoff begins disappearing. His body starts disappearing. Yeah. Um <clears throat> He reveals that he was the one behind the disappearance of the planet Ariadne. Um, all that mattered to them. Their only goal was the recovery of the, the Zohar emulator. He starts kind of seeing things and he's like swiping at the air and stuff. But Sheon says, did Kevin do this? Did Kevin program this into Cosmos right. like behind my yep. back? Is this the Cosmos that Kevin wanted to create? So she's suspicious now of Kevin. We only saw Kevin in one scene in the game so far. It was way back on the Woglinde. Yeah. We don't We don't really know what happened to him uh, after the Gnosis attack. Uh, he kind of came in to talk to her. And I don't know what I'm going to say to Cosmos when she wakes up. Well, just say, what was it that she told him to say? Like, Good morning. Good morning Ohio. or something Ohio like or that.
1: must." yeah, yeah. <laughs> And he's like, oh, great. Now, that may have more significance knowing this now. Kevin being like, I don't know what I'm going to say to her because I inserted faulty programming into her on purpose. Um, yeah. It's like, okay, maybe there's a different, maybe there's a little more substance to, to him being scene. nervous about her waking up and not sleeping for days. And it wasn't really about what do I say to her. It was right. more like, how do I, how do I atone for what I've done? <laughs> now, now I we're... Assuming he's him. guilty yeah. right now just because Shion suggested this. It could not be Kevin. It could be somebody else. Sure. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of crazy, right?
0: Yeah. Okay, so Tarankov is um, swiping at the air. He's just like, no, stay away from me. And there's yeah, like this kind of yeah. purple energy. I think it comes from the Zohar. It's at least yep. in the room. And it kind of swirls kinda, around. It starts swirling around and like hitting or colliding yeah. with him. Um, yeah. And uh, – Cosmos says that all the photon, lepton, hadron, and graviton scans are reading negative. So what is this energy even, like, what is it? <laughs> right. They can't read anything about it. And this is where Cherenkov gets transformed into a gnosis. The yep. first revelation that people can become gnosis, which is yep. crazy. really gnosis,
1: crazy. gnosis are people. That's gnosis, crazy. Gnosis are people, dude. Yeah. Uh, so, through the power of the Zohar, Cherenkov became a Gnosis, but he was already kind of fading anyways. Yes. So, I would have assumed he was sort His of
0: contact with becoming the Gnosis a Gnosis. Earlier. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I and think so now the Zohar is coming. So, I don't know that the Zohar can just turn anyone into a Gnosis, or do you need to have contact with the Gnosis first, or do you need to be disappearing and then it can do it? Or yeah. can it just do it to anybody? I don't know. Uh, but the Gnosis are people, and that is fascinating. I, I got it. I don't know. Uh, this uh, would have landed more um, had I not played certain other games. <laughs> um, it's fascinating. It's huge. It's a big reveal. Um, and I'm sure that were this the first game that I played of Takahashi's, I would have been very surprised.
0: Mm. Yes. Yes. It would have been, I mean, huge reveal for sure. Yeah. Um, so, okay. There's kind of a lot of stuff that comes after this.
1: Yeah, well, so we kill him.
0: <laughs> yes. Right. And there's like, I actually just said refer to the script because there's so much Dude, I did here. too.
1: I just wrote this scene of Cherenkov's memories is, and then I, but like,
0: I don't know what scene it is. I forgot. <laughs> it's like after he gets killed. So let me scroll up a little bit here.
1: Yes, that's right. That's right. It's once we kill him.
0: Okay. Okay right. Margulis says, behold the light that spreads before your eyes. This scene is cr- – this is why I, I was like – I'm not even going to take notes on this. Just read the fetching script. I have – well, good. There's good. stuff good. here I know, but, like, in the, like, pace the scene was going, I felt like I was lost a little bit. So they're, like, on a ship or they're on, like, a tower or something. They're looking out over – you can almost see, like, the curvature of the planet. I think it's Ariadne. Mm. And mm. there's like a light, like a, like a sunrise, kind of in the distance. Mm. Behold the light that spreads before your eyes. This light once symbolized civilization, yes. the very will yes. of the human race. But what can be gleaned from the light we see today? The people of this world have cast away their will to create, drowning themselves instead in an endless cycle of consumption. What you see now yeah. is the deceitful light cast by their stagnant eyes.
1: So, by the way, these are almost direct quotes from Nietzsche, from The Will to Power, from the book. Yeah. So, this, is, this, whole, this whole memory is Nietzsche and is The Will to Power. It's, it's like a summary of that book in this uh, memory right here. Okay. That, that everything's become stagnant, that people are weak now, and that we need to recover The Will to Power to become strong and shine like the you know, the people
0: that we once used to be and who we can still become. The yeah. Ubermensch. Right. So then Shion wonders, the commander, but who's that with him? So she doesn't know who Margulis is.
1: Oh, right. Oh, that's true. And share her voice. That's right. So we're seeing this in real time, and she's like narrating.
0: seeing flashback. As if she's there. So Margulis then says, the people you've encountered in your lifetime are not people at all. They're less than human, mere sacks of flesh and bone. Only upon the realization of self-will can a person truly be called a man. (sighs) Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, right. Nietzsche. You you chose to reject the false light, refuse to succumb to their lies. That's why you never faltered even after all the personality reconditioning. So Cherenkov was the Ubermensch, and that's why he was able to not he was able to resist. Yes. Right. And and this is why he was chosen by Margulis, right? This is there why you go. And this is gives life purpose for the first time because his purpose in life was to be a soldier but that war ended before he really had a chance right. to do any fighting. That's right. Yeah. And so he's felt totally purposeless and it's like Margulis is giving him purpose for the first time which is why he was so eager to like go with him. That's right. Of course he resisted it a bit at first. They like fought but like Margulis can like teleport around. Yeah,
1: he like teleports and like disappears <laughs> and stuff. So, yeah. but, and I didn't see anything from Cherenkov that would denote superhuman abilities in his fight with Margulis. Yeah. Yeah. But, you
0: know, maybe I missed something. So this, Shion says, the commander underwent personality reconditioning. And then Margulis says, long ago, man was forced to leave behind his homeland. I'm guessing lost earth. Jerusalem or earth. Or fourth Jerusalem or third <laughs> Jerusalem or second <laughs> Jerusalem. <laughs> First Jerusalem. Uh, <laughs> this was brought about by the masses who extinguished the very light that drove their will. Yeah. So be... how about it, Trankov? Let us rekindle the torch so that human consciousness may once again be resurrected for our sake and for that of our God. So who is Margulus's God? Yes, I like that. That's that's big. I don't yeah. know. No, <laughs> me neither. But he
1: is a I religious man. Yeah. And there is a, a God. He is serving some higher power that he believes is a higher power. Yeah. And... Um, Oh man, that that this dream is like a just such a good summary it's of, really good. of the will to power of yeah. that book, and it's so like it's just really good. It's really concise. Um, I love it. So it's it's also very Nazi like. Um, oh sure, <laughs> I'm getting a lot of that too. I'm getting a lot of the Nazi. Of course, Nazis love Nietzsche, but still.
0: Um, so They're that scene kind of comes to an end. Uh, we leave that memory, and then Sheon says, "Happiness." Were those my feelings just now? No, it must have been the commander's feelings. Yeah,
1: she felt his feelings, yeah.
0: Yeah. commander, what is it that you were searching for? Um, So what he was searching for was purpose, right? Yes, of course. Um, So images of Trenkov's memories appeared, and then later, Shion and Trenkov are at a beach in black and white, so they're kind of sitting, he's kind of sitting there in the same... Yeah, black and white, I thought this was great. And uh, Trenkov Mm -hmm. says, I never really existed at all. I, and then... We see some images of his story. 36 Mm. years ago, the year after the Zohar incident, not the Zohar, but Zohar
1: incident. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was interesting.
0: Which led up to the Milshan conflict. I was brought into this world as a weapon of warfare. It all happened uh, the time back then. Killing was my, no, our whole reason for existence. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I thought this was interesting. There's more of
1: him. There's more people like him.
0: Yes, more soldiers like him. Like I, I'm pretty sure that that's yeah. that's what he was talking about. Like for, high level soldiers. For a second, I was thinking, is he talking about all of his personalities? Because he's been oh. reconditioned so many times. Oh, geez, that's possible. That's possible. Like he considers himself more than one person. Yeah, but I think it's well in that reference would make sense. The other soldiers.
1: That you're, I think so, but. That would make sense that he would refer to himself in the multiple, that he was able to overcome all of their conditioning because each time they would condition him, he would partition it off as a separate person. Yeah. And then it would just be a new person, and it, then it would be two people. They could never get to the core person. He just kept partitioning it off
0: into different people. Sure. Um,
1: I don't know if that's it, though, but that that's a way that that could be what happened.
0: Yeah, so killing was my no, our whole reason for existence. Hmm. The fortunate ones were those who could adapt to that way of life. Even luckier were those who died on the battlefield but I was never granted that opportunity. Before I could find some significance in my own life, the war ended and I was left behind while the world went on. The images end and Trinkoff says, mm-hmm. I tried to adapt, but the language I spoke was so different from the rest of the world. Yeah. I thought the entire world had rejected me, but the commander felt like he really needed me. I saw a future for myself in the commander, or I wanted to at least, but I had to rely on the drugs to communicate with the rest of the world. That's the drug he's doing. Yeah, that's interesting. Brings up the Alice symbol, which to is suppress. what suppresses yeah, his yeah. desire to kill. Right, um, suppresses the frontal lobe, his yeah. personality. Right. It was because I hadn't changed after everything that happened. I hadn't changed at all. Now I finally understand. The world didn't reject me. I rejected the world. Sheon, I like it here. I'm the. Oh, this was interesting. I wanted to get your take. Yes, I love this. This I'm is I'm the good. only one living. I'm the only living thing that exists in this place. There's nothing else. No anger, no sadness, no happiness, not even a future. The only thing that's here is me. And that'll eventually fade away. It feels good. This is exactly what I've been searching for all this time. Shion, you'll eventually find yourself here too. I'm sure of it. It won't be much longer. I know. I can tell. Then he kind of disappears from the beach. Yeah. What, what, what is your takeaway from that? Oh, well. He's um... looking for isolation. Yes. And eventually disappearing
1: or fading away. So he he's, he's come to terms with his life. He's okay with dying. Um, I got that for sure. Yeah. Um, I also got something along the lines of um, like a Nirvana type situation or maybe like a, almost like a Garden of Eden where it's just ev- everything is um, n- like good but not relative to anything else. So it's just neutral, right? Yeah. So there is no higher lower. It's just like... Right. And... He's alone. Um, I, I got, I it, it made me feel sad for him yeah. that his life has been lived in such a way to where nothing is better than anything else that he could have had. And like yeah. what, what he wants isn't necessarily, because you could say that some people find purpose and meaning in like, family or something. Well, that just didn't work for him. And I'm sure after his ex-wife explained to him his genetic situation that he would be like, okay, I'm not going to have kids. (laughs) Like he would, that, that, that option is just gone. Right. It's like, okay, I'm not going to force somebody to live like me. Um, but then, um, you know, to have all the different avenues of ways to find a meaningful life, be closed off to him over and over and over forcibly in, in most instances. Um, to finally um, be able to just kind of have, have nothing would be as, as good as it can get for him, yeah. right? So he's lived down in hell for so long that purgatory is like, is just, is bliss to him. Yeah. Now, I would still say like, well, why, why not share it with someone? Or like, there's ways that this could be better, but he's, he, it, it's, it's a, I think it's just a moment of, of sadness that this is what he's been waiting for. Um, and in some ways you see Ziggy. Ziggy would love this life too. Oh, just sure. Just to chill on a beach with no one and be completely nothing and to slowly just fade away um, is what a lot of the people in this in this um, game seem to want. And it's funny because a lot of that is opposite of the will to power, right? So Margulis comes and convinces him to, to will his own existence, <coughs> to overcome the meaninglessness that he's surrounded in and to create his own world, create his own meaning, right? Create his own situation. And um, it seems that he is, in the end, not the Ubermensch, because he was not capable of doing that. And he wants to just become a nobody and and fade into nothingness, um, which is the opposite of what Nietzsche would have wanted of him, right? Or Margulis, right? And so he's letting go of that um, Nietzschean dream of the will to power and the Ubermensch. Um, because he's just not able to do it. He's not able to achieve anything. So nothingness is, is bliss for him.
0: Um, that's all I got. So my reading of this, I admit, probably has nothing to do with the intention of <laughs> the creators of the story. It's yeah. just something that came to my mind specifically because I've been thinking a lot about this. Yeah. Reading about it, uh, listening to podcasts on the the illusion of the self. Right. Oh now. sure. Yes. Um. And how most of our suffering comes from sort of like that ego-centered sort of like when you're thinking about the self and what you feel and uh, your insecurities and like all these things. That's what creates your suffering, right? Sure. And that being able to dissolve or or, or go beyond or or, um, disassociate with the ego is where yeah. you find and connect with the world outside of the ego mm. is where you actually find, like, connection and comfort and happiness and things like that. So he says, no happiness, no sadness, no Th- anger. That's where it got a this. little more and like purgatory, you know? Sure. like, Just like So, middle. you know, there's that to consider. But, like, the, no. the all those things, I think, are associated with the ego. And so this sure. dissolving into nothingness, I almost thought, thought of not so much, like, Um, a cease to exist as much as a, well, if we're talking about like Gnostic belief, right? Like the tie Mm -hmm. to the physical. Ah, severing it, right? Dimension. Yeah. And like leaving that. Yeah. Dissolving out of the ego, out of the physical realm that we're in. Right. And kind of like that connection to the spiritual Hmm. that is like beyond that, right? Rather than the ideology of Margulis Ah, which is yes. all about not, you know, it's all about like rekindling, yes.
1: staying, you know what I mean? Creating something and then living in it, and it's the glory, right? And yeah. <clears throat> he's just letting go of all that.
0: Yeah, <coughs> yeah. I so, mean,
1: I'm more or less, I'm with you there.
0: I I, I think I, I interpreted it in, in a similar way. Yeah, so I don't know, just some thoughts that I had probably as well. Yeah. I, I don't think any of the people that, were, were that Takahashi was referencing with these games are people who talked about that necessarily, but yeah. it's just something that was on my mind.
1: Well, the idea of like something like Nirvana, yeah, and you have these you know these monks that are spending all their time trying to attain Nirvana in one way or another, and um, often what they're doing to attain Nirvana is they are clearing their mind and completely like they're trying to. They're well, trying to feel nothing. The practice They're of meditation to, is exactly yeah.
0: meditation is disassociating with the ego, disassociating <clears throat> exactly. with past or present, or the, and being in the now and connecting with what's right. around you. And and to the extent
1: that you're capable of doing that, you would experience something closer to nirvana. The the more and more you're able to do that, the more you're able to just let go and and become a part of like a spiritual existence instead yeah. of the physical one. And that is something along the lines of just like nothing. Like not yeah. happiness or sadness. Right. Just just like I don't want to say nothing, but like nothing that, we, nothing, of, that nothing that we nothing that we recognize. We understand. Exactly. Nothing sure. that we understand. And more something along the lines of purgatory as opposed to the gates of heaven, you know? Yeah.
0: So, okay. Um, Although
1: I keep saying purgatory. When I say purgatory, I just mean the middle between heaven and hell. Sure. Not like the technical, like uh, Catholic definition of, sure. or the word purgatory, which might mean like a, like a jail. What is purgation? Purgation. Purge. Purgation, yeah. purge? Anyway, um, I don't know that I'm using the word correctly,
0: but understand what I'm trying to say, please. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, okay. So that's all that. Okay. Sheon starts kind of crying at this point. She's kind of pulled out of this vision. Yeah. Um, she's really upset that they've killed Commander Trankov. Like, what was right. that? Where's the commander? Oh, he turned into it. This is where they basically say outright he was turned into a gnosis. Yeah, she kind of didn't know as they were fighting him. Yeah, or didn't realize what was going on or yeah. something. Um, so Sheehan calls out to chaos. Uh, what just happened? Where is he? What have we done? And chaos says something like, um, "What does he say? He says like the the truth isn't always a pleasant thing to know. Yeah, like,
1: something like that. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah.
0: Um, and even Ziggy seems to have some idea of what's going on. It's nothing you need to worry about. He says to Momo. No, oh, uh, right. So anyway, uh, the place around them kind of starts to disappear. Like, it starts to... It's almost like the Hilbert effect is wearing off. But that's not what's happening, because I'm sure Cosmos could just do the Hilbert effect again. But oh, like, that's a good point. It's like the body of yeah the Gnosis is sort of, like, disappearing from this plane of existence right, just around of them. Yeah. And this is where the Elsa kind of shows up and yeah, grabs yeah. them before the, they're just, like, flung out into the vacuum of space, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, and then they leave. But then the Gnosis are just
1: attacking again. Yes. Just like in huge. full force,
0: just trying to kill all the humans. Huge uh, yeah. action scene here that is really cool. Um, they're flying away. The, all the Gnosis are chasing after I think after the Durndal, the Durndel, shows up, right? Yes. Um, it, it shows up and, and does this giant blast yeah. and starts taking out a bunch of them. But it's like it's not enough still. Yeah, there's just tons. And then this is where they notice that Cosmos has is not with them on right. the Elsa. Uh, she's, like, gone out through some kind of, uh, I don't know, like, it's like a little elevator that takes her out to the outside of the ship. So she's standing on the outside of the ship. And she activates some kind of weapon, again, that on did not know she has. Yeah. Um, oh, the, the catapult, the catapult, the door, though. That that's what they were struggling with before the, oh, the catapult right. was broken or something like that. Hmm. Um, and so her eyes turned blue. At this point. She closed her blue eyes and then her eyes turned red. So her wrote. eyes are normally red. That's true. That's they true. They turn blue as she's like going up. Yeah. And she says something like, will feeling pain make me, what does she say? Well, I wrote this. Complete? Will feeling pain make me complete? Yeah, yeah, complete. Yeah. And her eyes
1: are blue at this moment. And so Which, then she. by the way, I just have to throw this out there. The word telos or telii, telii is has a translation of completeness or perfection or something. Oh ah, there like you
0: that. go. So will I become teliai anyway. Well, that would be how the Greek would say. Actually pleroma kinda means that too. It means like fullness. Oh yes, fullness. Yeah, yeah that's true. Or, or completeness. That's true. That's and, true. and the idea yeah. of the pleroma being where your soul is complete when you return to yes. it. Not can't be which kind of lends to what I was trying to say earlier about him fading away. Right, right. Is, you know, fulfillment or completeness in the spiritual realm not here in the physical realm you can't yes. get it here yeah. kind of thing yes gnostic stuff <laughs> um but yeah i wrote that too
1: that her blue eyes and then they go back red when she's done
0: yes so she does this blast and it just like yeah. annihilates all of the gnosis yeah and Xion had no idea that she had this weapon in her.
1: Which is wild, because that's it. That's quite a weapon. It would probably take yeah. up the majority
0: of her torso <laughs> is I just would, this weapon. It's kind of like she, like, transforms. like Her, her yeah, torso like yeah. opens up, and there's, like, yeah. this crystalline thing that comes out of her back. Uh, uh, anyways, she, like, mm. kills them all, which yep. is, like, freaking crazy. Um, and that's kind of where we... Well, we were gonna stop it's that she
1: killed them, but there's another thing. It, it almost seems like she absorbed them,
0: though. Yeah, she did. You're right. Yes, that's they the like weirdest thing. Dissolve into particles, and she like brings them, and then in. she pulls them back in yes. into herself.
1: Yes. What's up with that? That that that's confusing. I am very interested to find out. Yes. Um, do do they still exist inside of her? Is there a universe within Cosmos now in that little crystal, or something like that? Right. Yeah. That, I don't know what
0: happened there. That's what I want to know. Yeah. Because um, they actually specifically mention that. She's like, they, she just absorbed all of those gnosis into herself. Like, what is that? What just happened? Yeah. So, a huge mystery leads us off on there. Yep. Um, and, anyways, this is where the Durandil, they, they sort of, uh, well, Matthews and his crew, they work for this junior character. And we're yeah. going to learn more about that next yeah. time, but that's where we're going to leave off for today. So. Okay.
1: All right, that was good. That was a good it's stretch of game right there.
0: It this was to me the the most interesting part of the game so far, and that's me too. I think Absolutely. that's saying something because there were a lot of mysteries I'd been really kind of invested in up to this point. Yes, and um, now there are many more. <laughs> yeah, so like there's the it's it's getting really good. Yep. The story is really fascinating, and um, looking forward to next week. So, thank you all for watching. We appreciate you, and we'll see you next time. Peace out, peace.